to the 50th episode of G.I. Joburg. Yes, it's only taken us four years to get here, but G.I. Joburg turns 50. That's me, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> I got a real jet. <laughs> that was no Night Raven. <laughs> that was a real airplane. That was a 747. I'm Steve, and we have a rather swollen panel tonight. We've got our regulars. Paul. Yeah, and Robert as well. We, we and we're joined it. by our brother from North America, Curtis, otherwise known as Cujo. I would like to add that uh, Paul, in, in the stateside intel for him, we have him known as Deadly Pencils. Ah. <laughs> so that might be his new code name. You never know. <laughs> I think once upon a time, if I'm reaching back into the mists of time, we used to try and have code names on this show. I guess we were heavily influenced by uh, G.I. Joe Review and the fellas there who went by the names Sidewinder, Mayor, and uh, mm. man, I forget the third. But yeah, they were incidentally one of the reasons why Paul and I started this podcast in the first place. Since we're on the topic, Paul, do you want to tell us how this got started? Do you even remember, buddy? I, I remember the day when we started it. We were sort of sitting there. Uh, you were over, and all of a sudden you were like, yeah, let's do a podcast. Let's do a top five of something and, like, you know, talk shit about it and see how it goes. That was that was how I remember it. I distinctly remember it being your idea, but okay, I'll go with that. I think, buddy, I mean, the, the essence of what we wanted to do was every time you and I met up, we would only talk G.I. Joe. Like no Still no one do. else no one else stood a chance. Like we yeah. would latch onto each other whether we were going to see a movie with friends or we were at a party or some kind of social event. You and I would catch each other's eye and immediately launch into some debate about GI Joe. Yeah. So I think the suggestion maybe your girlfriend made at the time was, why don't you guys record your chats? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't take a lot for us to get talking about G.I. Joe's. I mean, we could be sitting in a bar and a woman could lose a top. We'd be like, hey, cool, boobs. And G.I. Joe, you know, <laughs> shoot a kid out of a cannon. Hey, G.I. Joe. <laughs> so, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we bad like that. Apparently, the girlfriend at the time uh, must have been a visionary. She's still a visionary. And still oh, nice. the girlfriend. And still my Fantastic. girlfriend. Fantastic. Hey, Michelle. And still, uh, well, she's not here tonight. She, she gave me the night off so that uh, we could do this. Paul, I'm um, assuming that she listens to our work, which is why I make the shout-out. Yeah, uh, she does. <laughs> you just burst my bubble, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Hey, Mish. Well, that's what editing Steve is says, for. <laughs> yeah, Mish, Steve says hi from the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Female fans are always welcome, and incidentally, a commodity. <laughs> 1,000 fanboy points. <laughs> yeah, you'll get flag points. <laughs> but, yeah, no, there are no uh, chicks on flag points. No, there aren't any. But but we love them yeah. all the same. Yeah. Because incidentally, <laughs> they are contributors on this episode. These girls nice. love our G.I. G.I. Joes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I don't want to say Mish is like well-versed in G.I. Joe, but um, she likes G.I. Joe. The other day when I got some new stuff, which I'll get into, she also gushed. She also got excited about it. So that was mm, pretty cool. You know, that's so, when you so, know you found the one. Yeah, exactly. She's a keeper. Oh, totally. Guys, yeah. we've gotten this far into the episode, and we haven't even discussed what the topic is. What is the topic, Steve? Well, oh Paul, 
After the, the stunning success of our Battle of the Card Arts episodes back in 47 and 48, we decided that it was about time we did the same for box art. And in many respects, the box art is more of a titanic struggle than the card art. There are just so many elements to discuss. I mean, there's art for art's sake. But then, you throw a vehicle into the mix which for a lot of us are one of the key attractions to G.I. Joe's toy line, the fantastic vehicles. I mean, figures with dime a dozen, but like, the vehicles, my goodness, really just ripped the roof off on the kind of adventures you could have with your figures. And then add to that the fact that key personnel were featured on many of these box artworks. In fact, I'll wager that the kind of guys riding the vehicles under consideration tonight or playsets have a very, very critical role in determining which artwork is going to come out on top. Two words. Mm. Let's get the ball rolling, gentlemen, on episode 50 with our usual segment. Who's got new shit? Who's got new shit? (laughs) Who's got new shit? That's totally what we call it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly why we've earned our explicit rating. Thank you very much, (laughs) iTunes. Yeah! Paul, you seem uh, like a big ball of energy right now. Let's 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 get rid of some of that. <laughs> Tell us about your your new shit. Uh, this is my most recent acquisition. Uh, it's not vintage. It's uh, modern era. It's got smackings of vintage, ery. <laughs> so it's got smackings of vintagery. Yeah, there we go. New word. Um, nice. Thanks, dude. Thanks. Uh, okay, so um, on Tuesday. After much uh, email sending, visiting the post office and all that, I finally got my parcel from BBTS, which was delivered to my house via courier, which, by the way, is kind of rare because I usually have to go to the post office to pick these things up because I can never find my house for some reason. But anyway, uh, in that box was a Samus Aran Figma from the Metroid video game series, which I'm super happy about. Zero from the new Rockman Zero series, which I'm also very happy about. It's a Figuarts. Cool toy, and a wolf. I got a cobra wolf, oh, but nice. the, uh, the new one, yeah, it's the Arctic Battle or whatever they they call it um, in the the modern era GI Joe 50th anniversary packaging, whatever. So I got the wolf. Uh, what the wolf is a skyhawk or a, an Arctic skyhawk. They call it a ghost hawk. I call it an Arctic skyhawk because it's more skyhawk than ghost hawk. I like to keep the two separate. And then I got that double pack with Baroness and Lady J. I'm going to do a quick appraisal. The Cobra Wolf. A lot of you guys out there probably have one. Uh, back in the day, it was fairly easy a vehicle to get your hands on. I believe it was very popular. I know this because, firstly, I've read it somewhere that it was quite popular. And secondly, they are very easy to find on eBay. And they are usually very cheap. Uh, well within the realms of between 5 and $10, usually. Hmm. Um yeah, it wow. might have gone up. <laughs> Where have you been shopping, bro? Well, I'd we got, say closer to 20 or 25, maybe 30. Well, well, we got mine for $5, remember? You are so full of shit. But anyway, you know, keep telling that story. It gets better every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will say this much. The Cobra yeah. Wolf was my first Cobra vehicle. So ah. extra bonus nostalgia points for this guy. Uh-huh. So the big question on everybody's minds is, is it better... Or worse than the vintage original. Well, this is where it gets. It all comes down to the foot pegs. 
Yeah, and this is where it gets really, really interesting. As somebody who owns a vintage Wolf and who loves the vintage Wolf, I think it's such a snazzy little vehicle. Um, and mine has got very, very, very good uh, canopies. I, I, my canopies are quite clear, actually, on mine, so I'm, I'm quite fortunate. But some misplaced stickers aside. Anyway, I got a Wolf. It's a fantastic vehicle. So now I've got this modern Wolf, and everybody's like, why do you have another Wolf? Well, well simple reason. You can't put a lot of the modern era figures in the old Wolf, or at least you you can't put them in comfortably, and not all of them go in there. Steve can probably, you know, back this up. But most of the figures, I think, will fit in the back, but none will fit in the front, with the exception of, like, one or two. It seems to be a 1987 thing, to be honest, because both the Wolf and Mamba are perilous when you try and put a vintage figure in the cockpit. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Even but the included drivers struggle. I mean, I try to put a 1985 Snow Serpent into the front seat on a Wolf today, because guess what? That's G.I. Joburg's next YouTube review. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Snow Serpent doesn't fit. So even vintage figures battle to get in there. The Wolf kind of feels like a uh, relative of the Star Wars Snow Speeder a little bit. <laughs> just, just a little That's side note. Interestingly yeah. enough, I drew the same parallel in a blog article I must have written about four years ago. So you don't have you don't have that all your own Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> I plagiarized it. Tandem cockpit, a cannon in the back. Okay, on the snow speeder it's a you know, it's a harpoon gun, but you know same layout basically. And there's yeah. something very aircraft like about the wolf. I mean, mm. what could it be? Yeah, two jet engines, Jays. Exactly. Fair enough. No, but I, I agree fully. Now, this is the thing. They've actually improved it. I, I, I personally feel that the modern Wolf is better than the vintage in the sense that inside the cockpits, um, the seating has been enlarged slightly. It's deeper, so you can put modern era figures in and you can fit vintage toys in. The test subjects that I used were um, guys with helmets, so I used Blizzard. I checked Blizzard in there, and Blizzard looks really great inside the Wolf. I also threw my snow serpent in in both of them, and also had the same trouble. Well, the the not the the classic snow serpent, the uh, 1990 re-release. Uh, I put him in there, and he also has a bit of trouble fitting in the original wolf. But in the new modern wolf, he he's great. He fits in there. It's easy to get him in and out. They haven't sacrificed any of the of the details that made the wolf um, sexy in the first place. So the cockpit details are quite crisp and sharp. The um, you know the the holes, everything's there. Okay, the uh, major difference is the plastic quality. The modern Wolf has a slightly thinner plastic. I don't think it will take as much strain as the Vintage did. And the Vintage proves that it can take the strain because we've still got, most of us have still got working condition Wolf in our possession uh, with very few to no breakages. The only downside to the modern Wolf that I've seen that I really don't like, well, not the only, it's one of three downsides. The one thing is the missile launching chamber in the front of the vehicle seems to be recessed or recessed deeper within the actual mold. So it's, how do I explain it to you? It's not as flush as the original. Uh, when you look at it, you can actually see it is a little bit lower. It seems a bit off. Drives my OCD crazy. Okay, every time I look at it, I want to fix it and I can't. So it, it's a bit of an uphill struggle. But the plastic itself is quite good at holding the missiles in. So you don't get that loose missile situation when you pop it up one's further out than the other, etc. Uh, but I think that's that's a matter of time. I think time will, will t uh, play its hand there. The front skis on the modern one have this really horrible clicking quality to them. I really hate it. It's the same as the Rage. You know when you pop the 
tear it up on a Cobra Rage, it makes that clack sound. And it's it's frightening because you always think you're going to break the clip. Um, this has oh, something so there to, is a clip to add resistance so you can click yes. it into, into set positions. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm always scared it's going to... I don't know. I I can't see the value of it. All I can uh, all I can think of is that they're using the original mold and then they've altered it a little bit, so that it has the same functionality. So maybe it's just because of the ki- kind of plastic that they're using and has a slightly uh, stronger bite or whatever. So there's that. Um, foot pegs on the actual wolf itself are vintage foot pegs, uh, which is a bit of a bummer. What? Yeah. Which is a bit of a bummer if you're somebody who wants to put your modern era figures on the outside of your wolf. It is kind of stupid. But at the same time, it's also kind of smart for those of us who love vintage more than modern era and wanted a fresh wolf for their vintage figures. All you have to do is switch out the, the skis and uh, to vintage skis and you've got a fresh vintage wolf, <laughs> so to speak. I can't fathom the reason for them to click. That's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Because maybe al- maybe it's allowing allowing the joint to be smooth allows those front skis to accommodate whatever terrain you're moving over. Exactly. So if there's a slight rise, the the skis flip up a bit. If there's a slight dip, they go into their their flat position. That's just yeah. bizarre. It does have some play. It's not like it goes clack clack clack. It's kind of like it's got some play, but it only gets to a point, and then if you want it to go higher than that, you have to it clicks. But I just wanted to put that out there. It's something that scares the, the crap out of me. Everything else is pretty much as advertised. I mean, it's a wolf. There's not much more I can say about it. It's just that the, the recessed missile pod, you know, is a bit of an eyesore. Well, not an eyesore. It's a bit of an irritation for some. Vintage foot pigs is a problem. And then the third thing. On the original wolf, um, there's something... Oh, plastic quality. That's what I was going to say. The plastic quality on... The new wolf is not necessarily bad, but I do find that the, the pros are that some of the details are really sharp, like like the panel lines and a lot of the curves and stuff are really slick. It, it, when you see it, it, it doesn't. It's not just because it's new. If you actually compare the two, you can see how far molding technology and stuff has come, and how how much better molding has become, and how. Uh, I can tell you now, it's the same mold as the original vintage because it's got the same. Uh, stamps the same codes inside but um it's just the details are so much sharper but the original has these cool sort of textures to it to the plastic i don't know how to explain it it's just there's this like mm, texture it's like a grip grip surface yes some of the and edges. Mm. yeah and it's not on the new one at all so maybe you know some diehard vintage lovers might feel that that's missing I, I noticed it, so there must be a part of me that also misses it. <laughs> so, because I wasn't scrutinizing them. Hey, I literally, when I sent you the message to say I got it, and I showed you guys the pictures, and you said like comparative review, I went, hey, fuck it, let me grab my my wolf and have a look. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, with the new wolf, you get bigger cockpits, and you get a clean wolf, and you get ice viper. Ice viper. Ice Modern viper's okay. Ice viper. Modern Ice Viper is cool. Out of all of the figures that I've got, Modern Ice Viper and Blue and Black Snake Eyes are actually the the best. Because <laughs> uh, Ice Viper, okay, he's size fallout. They they hold, but I mean, it's not like you're going to be able to play with this too much without the size popping off. I mean, I, I, I held it up and I was making some kind of funny like Ice Viper sound effect and then the side fell off and Michelle's like, you dropped the side. <laughs> A.K.A. <laughs> Snow Ninja. Snow Ninja. Yeah, and these goggles. 
<laughs> what sounds like... does an ice viper make? Anyway, it's funny because he's cold. <laughs> you know, like snakes don't like the cold. <laughs> yeah. Okay, carrying on. Yeah, uh, I see what you did there. He's got like a weird assortment of guns. He's got that stupid laser pistol that came with Storm Shadow and Cobra Commander in the pursuit of um, Rise of Rise Co- of Cobra. Rise of Cobra. <laughs> got that. He's got that shitty new machine gun that they love putting with every single GI Joe that that they don't like or that Hasbro really doesn't like. That's it's like an MP5, but it's like really crappy. So he's got that. Yay! The way he's been put together is great. As a figure, he's cool. He's a good Frank and Joe. But he's got those goggles that Dusty has. On this mold, the goggles don't stay on, so I can't have the goggles on his helmet. You know, as per the vintage version. So I have my my guy's goggles around his neck <laughs> because they don't stay on the helmet. They start on the helmet and they fall down. So there's that. Yay! Um, Snake Eyes is quite cool. I've never owned a version of Snake Eyes like that. That's the one where you can clip the two Uzis onto the web gear. It's a lot of fun. It's a great little Snake Eyes. I like the tooling. He's got a weird neck. He's got like a double neck. It's strange. But Aren't he's great. Mac 10s? Um, I think they're Mac... Yeah, they actually are probably Mac 10s. Or within that family. Because they're not really Uzis. Sorry. You know, I, I hate to point it out, but we really have to dot our eyes and cross our T's from now on. <laughs> And and he's got really amazing uh, eyes. Like, when you lift up his little visor, which is not designed to be lifted up, by the way, um, it's like this rubbery plastic. When you lift it up, you can see these, these eyes, like the eyes of snake eyes, but they're not really snake eyes' eyes. They're just some cobra's eyes, I'm sure. But they're really well painted. <laughs> and I thought this struck me as, as fairly odd, because even the Rise of Cobra snake eyes, uh, his eyes aren't painted, even though they're molded. Um, so... I thought, okay, well, that's kind of cute. And then I looked at Lady J and the Baroness and that Social Clash two-pack, and I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Everything about Lady J, except for her head, is great. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Good parts use. Very cool, like, backpack. Very cool uh, belt. The weapons, the gear that she comes with is great. The articulation is great. The paint job on the body is great. But that face, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) She looks like... She looks like this, like a slightly uglier version of an ex of mine with like cock eyes. She's got like she can see cobras. <laughs> you can see cobras coming from both flanks. Only a <laughs> slightly uglier version. Gee, Paul, you don't yeah. give yourself any credits, man. man. Yeah. I, I thought I'd be nice to the girl, but now that Wait, I think. Did of... you say the the social two clash? What did you say? It's, it's called the social clash. Yeah, that's what it's called. Social clash. What do they do like? They're do starting passive band. aggressive Facebook updates for each other or something? <laughs> it's Baroness and, and Lady J. Two packs. <laughs> they just keep God. updating their uh, social networkings with passive aggressive updates. Yeah, they just tweet each other, bitch. You know, whore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, that Lady J, I, I, I knew that she was going to be crap. Uh, it wasn't like, I, as, I'm not surprised by how bad she is. Um, I didn't want her for the head sculpt anyway. I just wanted that body for the other Lady J that I've got, you know, so I could do a head swap, because I love how military the new sculpt is, the, the, the new body that they've made for her is. So it's kind of cool to have, you know, dainty classic Lady J, and it's got a tougher construction than the original. And if I break it, well, who cares? And I don't think I will break it, but I'm, I'm more afraid of breaking the, my, my cool 
25th anniversary one than I am about this one. And the same can be said about Baroness. I honestly think that the factory that Hasbro has employed to paint the G.I. Joes is employing the wrong five-year-old Chinese kids because these kids can't see straight, dude. I mean, I'm surprised she doesn't have the lipstick on her forehead. What's cheaper than, like, a sighted Chinese child? A blind one. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, damn it. Like, that's what's happening, oh, man. It's just economics, guys. Yeah, I mean, Apple does it. But, yeah, like, everything about that Baroness is fairly great as well, except for the face. But also, once again, I knew I was getting into that. So, for those of you guys out there who are looking for cool um, fodder for customizing, knock yourselves out. Get yourselves that Social Clash 2-pack. I see they're available everywhere still. <laughs> and, Thank uh, you, Paul, for buying it all, even if it's crap. No, but like I said, there's a great assortment of weapons that comes in that pack, uh, which is worth getting it for, and the Lady J body and a sacrificial Baroness is also great to have. Because now I can put Baroness in the His tank, and she's currently in the Wolf now, and you know I can play with her, and if I break her, you know her waist, I'll be like, oh well, who gives a fuck? Because I've got like three others that I don't want to break. So at least I got one I can put in vehicles now. So that's great. Fantastic. Hey, new Wolf, cool. <laughs> new. Ice Viper, cool-ish. Snake Eyes in the box, decent. New Skyhawk is awesome. Same problems as the 25th anniversary Skyhawk, so take it or leave it. And Crap Baroness and Horrible Face for Lady J. Oh my god. There you have it. My turn. Yay, Steven's got new stuff too. <laughs> well, this marks G.I. Joeberg history. Because my new stuff was a gift from one of our fans. Um, yeah, a, a great pen pal of mine, a gentleman called Scott Centafonti, sent me a care package with 1983's Snowjob, 1983's Torpedo, 88's Storm Shadow, and a straight arm breaker. And a few other knickknacks. He included two of the motorized action packs, the G.I. Joe Rope Walker and Mortar Launcher. He included oh. a rubbery minifigure that I do not know where it comes from, but it's most definitely a zap. A few assorted bombs from, um, I think, a tiger rat. So you'll be pleased to know that, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> we're I building, saw the video. I we're saw building video. your tiger rat one piece at a time. One piece at a time. <laughs> <laughs> one piece of ordnance at a time. And last but not least, a very cool inclusion, a low-light Creo figure. Oh, I'm so jealous of that. Hey, guys. I mean, new avenues of collecting. The Creo figures really are spectacular. Sexy. Filled with little Easter eggs that just push them over the, the edge of coolness. But the figures themselves have crisp paint apps. They just look good and feel solid. And they're more mobile and articulated than, uh, than Lego men. I mean, they have a waist articulation, ball-jointed shoulders, uh... And yet they retain all of that level of interactivity with other, you know, block systems like Lego or Mega Blocks. Yeah, man, Creo. If it was at all available in deepest darkest Africa, there's no way I would have held off on buying them. I would have had all of them. Exactly right. <laughs> I want so. that Terradrome still. Just uh, <laughs> so if anybody wants to send Paul any Creo stuff, I'm big <laughs> on a on a Terradrome, yo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so once again i'd just like to thank scott 
for his generous contribution to uh, the G.I. Jobo collection. I shot out a quick YouTube review of some of the stuff, uh, or YouTube surprise unboxing. Uh, so you can find that on our channel if you're dying to, to see the, the toys. Uh, you will love it. Will you now? It's another whiskey-fueled debacle, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I certainly had a lot of fun with the figures afterwards. Torpedo was a direct result of our card art battle, because I never thought much of the figure, and then all of a sudden we had this card art uh, battle where Torpedo's original 1983 card ranked pretty highly, and it just threw that figure in a whole new light. Oh, Torpedo's great. <laughs> very glad to have him. He's a bit of a, a, a rudimentary G.I. Joe figure. He's not going to win in design or detail stakes, but he is the premier frogman of the G.I. Joe team. And the figure's construction has a very unique trait, and I don't know if everyone knows about this, but if you look at the figure's sculpt, he's quite barrel-chested. If you drop him straight down into a body of water, he will float... Vertically. Holy no other G.I. Joe figure I know, and certainly no other G.I. Joe aquatic figure does that. They the all go out of his ass. Well, like if you, okay, if you shook the air out of the chest cavity, he would sink just like everyone else. But if you just place him in the water, he will bob with his head just above the surface of the water. So it looks like he's treading water. It's terrific. Like that's cool. Well, he just he kind cool. of sinks vertically which is a valid way for a scuba diver to, to descend. Certainly more valid than like some guys arrange themselves that they like <laughs> sink with their backs to the, the bottom looking up. Some guys sink in all manners of different ways. But Torpedo has a very good, I suppose, dive profile or buoyancy profile. I wonder if Deep Six has the same thing. Deep we should Six try. will do a similar thing if you keep a little bit of air trapped in his um, helmet. In his helmet. And I'm speaking mm. about the 1989 Deep Six. I'm not mm. so sure about um, dive action Deep Six that came with the shark. I've got the 25th anniversary version, and he operates as he should. You know, you squeeze the bellows, and he will rise. You release it, and he will sink. Oh. I think I got that right. <laughs> something something I want to mention uh, about these uh, impromptu video reviews. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they are part G.I. Joe toy advert and part whiskey ad. And the only thing missing <laughs> from them is smooth jazz. Because <laughs> I'm watching this and I'm nice. like, what's missing from this? I'm like, there's something missing. I'm like, whiskey, check. New toys, check. Stevens gushing, check. And I just thought, you know... For relaxing times, you know, make it Suntory time. And then I was like, oh, shit, it needs smooth jazz. So next time, smooth jazz with Steven New Toys. Feel free to uh, contribute, Mr. Electro Maestro. Oh, will do, dude. I have been rocking my John Carpenter-esque sound for a while now, so I am going to unleash it upon you all very soon. Because <laughs> while he might be getting a name as, what was it, Poison Pencils? Pencil Viper? <laughs> Deadly Pencils. Deadly, Deadly pencils. pencils. Paul is a beatsmith as well. Been known to churn out a bit of Electro from time to time. Is there any of that on your SoundCloud? I haven't put put it on my SoundCloud because, to be quite honest, I've been a bit shy about it, actually. I think the most exposure my music has ever gotten has been through the video reviews. The the backing track on the video reviews. The, the I think there's three backing tracks for the video reviews. Um, I've done some of those. I did Dude, those. put some of that out so I can flex it on my uh, podcast. 
I will do that, man. I will do that. But Judd, what an epic score. I mean, I actually, uh, two or three days ago, I, I, I'm a serial YouTube watcher, ladies and gentlemen. I start my day off, I switch on my browser, I switch on YouTube, and I go through what's new on YouTube. I'm, I'm like totally obsessed. And more, more often than not, I follow this uh, channel called New Retro Wave, and they pretty much make all the music that sounds like, they, it's all music that sounds like it was made in the 80s. It's all very John Carpenter-esque. Um, but it also really captures the sound of the 80s, the synth sound of the 80s. I really love it. And I, I work to that. I love having that in the background. But I also like to watch numerous toy and uh, video game reviews. And one of my favorites is the G.I. Joe Burger YouTube channel. And, uh, it is. I, and I, was, I was quite Yeah, it is. And I was surprised to see that there was a new video. And I was like, wow, these guys like are putting out videos again. It's really awesome. And I saw Steve with some whiskey. So I was like, shit, what's this? And I checked it out and I was like, oh, that's so cool. So that was that was really excited. I, I actually got really excited for Steve watching that video. I was like, yeah, I want new stuff. And not too long after that, I got new stuff. So it was great. <laughs> so, well, let me put it, it to you mess. differently. When new parcels arrive, you know, <laughs> you're not exactly going to put your life on hold and then jump straight into it. You're going you're gonna to do what you need to do to make ritual. sure that you unbox as soon as humanly possible. Of course. Once you've once you've attended to whatever social commitment you had that night, you know, birthday, <laughs> drink party, whatever, schlock, you get that shit out of the way, so you get down to business. And if you've Damn had right. a few on the way, well, you know, more's the yeah. better. <laughs> Totally. Gentlemen, anyone else got any new stuff? Oh, wait, I wanted to say one thing. Okay. Since I have now got the Cobra Rope Crosser and the G.I. Joe Rope Walker... Are they going to have a race? Well, I, I did. I made them race one another. Which do you think came first? Cobra. Uh, which is the one where the guy is sitting in the uh, chair? They both have like an underslung portion for the guy. I'm going to say Cobra. Hmm, that's two for Cobra. Rob? G.I. Joe. Because <laughs> oh, I like boy. to be different. Well, the G.I. Joe has a very intriguing mechanism with sort of hooks that pass the rope over and under themselves, and it kind of claws its way along. The Cobra mechanism is the, the speedier. So. <laughs> any any military that designs the Havoc is not really going for efficiency. So. <laughs> well, you know, one need only offer the Hiss tank into evidence. Uh, hey now, hey now. And the Battle Bodge. Oh, Anyone else got any new stuff they want to discuss? No, nah, I don't have anything new. Uh, oh, wait, no, I got Snake Plissken from the Sideshow series. I don't think I have a Yes. Oh, and? so sexy. And, Welcome um, to the human race. <laughs> it, it's a really cool figure, and it's very accurate to the film, and he comes with a ton of like awesome equipment. Uh, I'll be paying him off for the next three months, uh, so nothing new after this for now. Does but he, yeah, I really does do he come that. complete? What do you mean by complete? Do you mean anatomically complete? Oh, no, I was going to say, does he come complete with a uh, bent-up pack of cigarettes? He doesn't come with cigarettes, but he does come with a cigarette and a hand that then allows him to kind of hold that. Nice. Ah. So that's something. He comes with a leather jacket. He comes with exceptionally tight pants, which limit his articulation quite a lot. <laughs> 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 um, but, like, the details are really cool. Like, on his boots, he's got the the weird little, like, hooks that you see him in the film with. Like, his boots have these hooks on the, ed- on the end of the toe of the boot. 
I've never understood what those were for, but the you know the figure comes with those. Get kicked in the nuts, then you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. I'd, I'd rather be on the, the the I don't know the delivering end of that instead of the receiving end. Yeah. Uh, like, hey Snake, why do you have hooks on your boots? If I kick you in the balls, then you'll understand. Dude, I love Snake Plissken. How uh, come he's not Snake an honorary Plissken. member of GI Joe? I don't know. You know they did those reaction figures from Funko? I actually saw those in the flesh the other day, and I almost bought them. This thing overwhelmed me. I was like, oh my god, it's, it's like Snake Plissken, and I looked at the articulation, and I was like, <gasps> it was like seeing a hot girl with leprosy. It was weird. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, I just couldn't. I mean, I could do the dinner thing and everything, but well, everything else, it just, uh, you know. They're meant to be retro figures. I mean, they're not meant to be, you know, like played with. They're just supposed to look like figures from the 70s or the early 80s. Yeah. Kenner figures, basically. Let me put it to you, fellas. If there's this wave of, like, revisiting 80s franchises and doing them in a retro style, okay, cool. It's found its markets. And on the other end, G.I. Joe is enjoying having its retro molds being multiplied in size for the gentle giant figures. Yeah. Why then can we not have repressings of O-ring G.I. Joe figures on card? Wouldn't that be the coolest thing ever? I'm to be able to get pretty them... sure it's coming. Oh, God, please. Yeah, dude. No, no, no. I'm way. pretty sure it's coming. Like, because the retro thing is, seems to be quite strong and it's gaining a lot of momentum still. And I think it's coming. I think Hasbro's going to do some kind of commemorative uh, 82 line of Joes or something and they're going to have the original articulation. I, I'm, I I put money on it. Let's put it that way. And more important well, than the original articulation is the original standard of quality, the plastic mm. quality. If they could somehow, in today's economic climate, reproduce that... Because in 1997, they did. They did the Stars and Stripes, you know, commemorative box set, I think it was, with a, a kind of a Iwo Jima-style uh, flag raising with a bunch of the original 13 figures. But the paint apps or the, the colors that they were molded in, the accessories and the plastic quality were not up to snuff. So, I mean, if they do it again, mm, please let it approach the standard of... You know the 82-83 team. I don't know how they would though. I mean, surely they used a different process of making the the plastics back then, and they've kind of refined that now. In probably well, a less in a more efficient method. I don't know. Like there must be reasons why they changed the way that they make plastics. These I days. think I take it back. I think doing O-ring figures in slightly more gummy plastic is a winner. Hmm. It could be. I'm, I'm actually keen to get that um, snake eyes, that enlarged vintage snake eyes for myself. Um, <laughs> everybody I, wants snake eyes. Everybody wants snake eyes. But like, still, seriously, uh, I'm, I'm curious to get it because I've seen those the giant He-Man stuff. And it's actually really impressive. And I've seen the giant Star Wars stuff as well. Um, but the, the cool giant Star Wars stuff, not the stupid shit that we see in toy shops. Um, and... Yeah, it's actually very well done. I just would like to actually, like, from what I can see with the Star Wars stuff, they they have replicated the, the same kind of plastic quality. It 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 comes it comes across, and the He-Man stuff also looks like big, crappy He-Man figures. So, you know. <laughs> Though I do think just taking my idea of redoing the eighty-two, eighty-three, and onwards 
vintage G.I. Joe O-ring is in the original size and scale, they're going to have to do an almost planned redundancy. If they're too good, I think they would endanger the uh, the secondary market. Like, why would I buy, you know, a beat-up, loose copy of an original 13 figure if a company like Hasbro or Funko or whoever could get their hands on the rights uh, was producing very decent reproductions? I do know that since the re-releases of the He-Man stuff has come out, the vintage He-Man stuff has gone up in price. It's almost like the vintage has become more desirable, whereas it's had the inverse effect on Star Wars stuff, because with Star Wars stuff, there's a specific um, vintage line of Star Wars figures that guys want, and that's all pre-90s stuff. Uh, 90s and upwards, nobody wants that vintage stuff, really. That stuff sits on the internet and like is, it's slowly dying on eBay. You know, I'm sure that it's got its fan base, whatever, but... But the newer figures have really like kicked a lot of those toys in the ass, you know. But excluding vehicles, of course, because the older Star Wars vehicles are actually better. Or not all of them, but there's a lot of them that are still better. So, look, I think I speak for every GI Joe fan out there when I say I would lose my mind if I saw O-ring figures on blister cards hanging yeah. on pegs. Oh, I would lose my, my shit as well. It, <laughs> With the original it, it, artwork, oh man. I think I'd be more excited about that than I was about the 25th anniversary. Because they're repackaging nostalgia in its kind of unaltered form. Mm. By not reinventing the wheel. By actually giving us what hooked us initially. What we know and love. I guess it's because I'm a, you know, an O-ringer diehard, uh, actually. <laughs> but I think you'd, you'd be turned on by something like that as well, Paul. Even yeah, very you much are so. the voice of modern era, modern era. On, this, on this podcast. Oh, but I feel the corruption of vintage, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the corruption. The I've corruption paid... is strong, friends. The corruption is strong. I've been paid recently, and this money is like real money. It's for things like bills and shit like that. Um, and Rishi <laughs> even said to me, like, if you want to, you're allowed to spend 500 bucks on eBay. And I was like, nah, it's fine. I'll wait because I've got another payment coming. So I'll wait for that. <laughs> but vintage stuff, like, it's so easy to, to pull the trigger on it. Really, really. Because it's so, it, vintage stuff is great. I've, I've never been let down by any vintage find that I've had recently. Like, every time I've gotten vintage figures, whether they were figures I wanted or not, I've been happy with them. Whereas modern era, I've had a more disappointment than than excitement, if that makes sense. Like, I've been disappointed more often than not with modern era stuff. That's just how things are. Gents, clearly we have way too much to talk about for one episode. Yeah. But we do have a topic to get through. We do. And it's a very important and very cool topic too. Absolutely. What could be a more fitting celebration of our 50th episode than the Battle of the Box Art? And this episode wouldn't be complete without our contributors – as with the card art episode, we called for submissions from you fine folks, our fans, and other movers and shakers in the G.I. Joe fan community, and you responded with love and with art. So, just rattling off some name drops, the contributors to this episode are David Cabal, Jonah Weiss, welcome Jonah, you're our new fan on Facebook, <laughs> Sean Durden, also on Facebook, yeah, Sean um, Durden. 
Very cool guy. Yes, sir. Kevin, otherwise known as ForumBX257. The Yojo Outlet and Museum Center. Oh, yeah. Scott- yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah, it was so Seriously? cool to see them following us. Yeah, man, they followed us uh, not too long ago. It was really exciting because I follow them. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really That's cool. Awesome, Sorry, man. Steve. Yeah. All right, guys. Then on Twitter, we've got Scott Westerman, Star Joes, Flag Points. We've obviously got Scott Centafonti, our <laughs> benevolent benefactor and patron. And then, of course, these three gentlemen that I have in my esteemed presence this evening Cujo, Paul and Rob Hi guys <laughs> Hello <laughs> Pleasure The way this is going to play out similar to our card art battles we have basically distilled a list of 12 12 of the most popular artworks as voted by our listeners <laughs> Absolutely and then left four slots open the four slots or for what I call the lucky losers. Now, everyone's got their favorites, and some of the favorites can be pretty left field. Some of them even come from the 90s. So I just want everyone to know that all your picks are in with a chance, a chance at taking on the big boys and maybe making it all the way to the finals. Who knows? Anything could happen. Right now, we're going to determine which is the truly better artwork. The Snowcat from 1985, or the Cobra Water Moccasin from 84. Put them in the arena of sport. (laughs) (laughs) Fight! Get those artworks for your perusal. Also, I just want to make a shout out, you know, while we we got some time to kill, um, to a new G.I. Joe forum that actually found me through my artwork through Cujo somehow on Twitter. They're called OG13. What an awesome G.I. Joe forum. I really love uh, what the guys have got going on there. It seems to be very uh, custom-centric and very art-centric, and there are some fantastic customs on that website. So if you guys get a chance to check it out, do yourself a favor and click on OG13.com now. And while we're (laughs) name-dropping... In case there are members of the G.I. Joe fan community that aren't aware of this site, 3djoes.com, you guys are fantastic. We love truly, you guys. Truly, truly fantastic. I mean, yojo.com has always been the first port of call for me when researching any, any topic on G.I. Joe. And to their credit, they still have the greatest depth of, of, of stuff. But, man, the interface on 3D Joes is... Very fresh, very cool, and full of little knickknacks. Drop-down bars that <laughs> go off the page. <laughs> There's a lot going on on the sites. I mean, not oh, only can I you get it. very up close and personal with the toys themselves, but the little bits and bobs of uh, of production notes and and you know interviews with guys like Ron Rudat. I mean, it's a beautiful site, really. It's it's an education, and uh, <laughs> I suggest. Everybody listening to this, devote some time to checking it out. Yeah, it's also if you ever need a G.I. Joe poster to adorn your G.I. Joe man cave, uh, 3D Joes are the guys to go to because they've got yeah. posters with every single vintage figure, named, unnamed. They've got card art posters. They've got posters of the vehicles. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah, I have got my artworks ready for this battle. 
Excellent. And for those of you who might have forgotten, after all that banter, it's the snowcat versus the water moccasin. And because I miss his voice so much, I'd like to hear from Rob first. Wow. <laughs> okay, so they're both facing right, which is a, a common theme in uh, most G.I. Joe artwork. <laughs> both firing their guns. Very cool. I think I prefer, yeah, water moccasin. I'm going to go with water moccasin. Just because it kind of looks a little bit cooler. I don't know. This is really difficult. I'm, I'm going to leave it to the other guys to talk about, like, uh, the color schemes and the, the angles. Um, <laughs> Dude, don't clown us. <laughs> but, yeah, I just prefer the water moccasin because when I look at the snowcat, all I really see is a snowdrop on the background of holding on for dear life and praying that he isn't burnt by the missile blasts, the back blast. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're going so fast. Why are you going so fast, Frostbite? Why? I, yeah, <laughs> watermark is it. And meanwhile, old Frostbite's like looking at Snake Eyes going, uh, turn up that, uh, you know, Kansas album. Kansas <laughs> 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 album. Uh, okay, anyway. Paul, where, where does your money go? Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm going to quickly say the criteria for, for box art for me. I love box art. Uh, it's it's to me it's one of the most magical things in toy packaging. Um, I especially love it when I cannot see the toy because it invokes my imagination. So the artwork has to actually carry me. It has to tell me a lot about what's inside the box. I think a lot of the times I bought GI Joe vehicles out of curiosity, and I bought Ninja Turtle vehicles out of the same curiosity um, as to what's in the box. So there's a lot of mystery with the box art. Box art is there to stop you from seeing the imperfections in the toy and to let your imagination help you make the purchase so that you're not sort of looking at the plastic color or, you know, whatever could put you off on the toy. You, you're purely looking at the artwork. The artwork's meant to evoke your imagination, and that's meant to, like I said, elicit the sale. It's meant to make things happen. The other thing I'm looking for is like, is it well designed? Is there a lot of, is the composition good? You know, the, the typical arty crap that we went through over on the Joe cards. We're going to go on through on the boxes. Something that, that is different with the box art that is also kind of important is the characters and the interaction and the role they play in the actual box art itself. Okay. You're here. Because it's important. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of modern GI or older GI Joe collectors like myself uh, like to adorn our vehicles with the characters that were on the original box art. It's actually a nice way of collecting as well. If you get yourself a snowcat, then to try and get all the figures that are on the snowcat box, you know, etc., etc. Anyway. Good luck so. getting a modern era Alpine. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, fuck <laughs> Alpine. Why is that guy so cool? Anyway. He's not. Oh, he's not cool. <laughs> he's on the back of a snowcat, for crying out loud, and he hasn't got skis. That oh, asshole. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. Somebody needs to. <laughs> I'm kidding, Kujo. Alpine's not that bad. He's a great toy. Dude, the rope across his chest was pretty nicely sculpted back in the day. I It's still nicely sculpted today. I saw Steve's one. It's great. So, these artworks. Okay, well, the water moccasin is by far the loudest of the two box arts. It's uh, it's the one that says, hey, it's Cobra. And it's and they just... I don't know, it's just very loud. It, it, it almost feels like the water, mo water moccasin is like going past an explosion. Like it blew up some fisherman's trawler in the background and, and now it's trying to destroy everybody on said river. Um, <laughs> There's an amazing level of restraint being exercised by the Cobra officer and Cobra commander because they've got guns in their hands and they're not firing. 
No, well, well has anybody just, seen the Venom Blaster go off? I mean, what would what that look like? Yeah, like, how would that look? That's probably what the artist thought. Like, how the hell does that hairdryer shoot? <laughs> hey, and maybe, then maybe it is firing. Maybe 1.5 kilometers away, someone is dying. Nice. My experimental weapon works. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad, actually, yeah. Both of these box arts represented here shows the vehicle off really well. I can't see any detail on the box art that's not actually on the toy itself. Uh, there are a few alterations here and there, like the thing that spins the propeller on the water moccasin has been smoothed out on the back because if it had ridges and it looked like your finger was meant to mess it, it would destroy the illusion. And also the clips in the front of the water moccasin would also give it away. Um, so it's nicely disguised here in the in the artwork. Huh, it's tricky. Which one is better? For me, I lean towards Snowcat. Oh, I lean towards the. I I like it more. I also feel that technically it's more accomplished. Mm-hmm. If I look at the water moccasin, uh, it almost looked like the water moccasins being twisted somehow. The back half and the front half are sort of on different perspective planes, so it's got this weird warping effect going on. It's got a massive front, yeah, and a very petite small rear uh, end. Rear end, yeah, um, and it just and it wouldn't be a problem. If it yeah. wasn't for the fact that Copperhead looks minuscule, like if yeah. the if the the foreshortening would work a lot better if I think he filled up the cockpit a bit more. I like yeah. him having that size, that scale, uh, relative to the cockpit. I think that would have been made for a better vehicle. I wish the toy had that same proportion, but it doesn't. So oh, good this, art, this artwork is slightly more deceptive. deceptive. Than yeah, the snowcat, which is like what you see is what you get, buddy. Like yep. the, the perspectives and and the the relative size of the figures of of the characters to the snowcats are far more accurate. Also, there's way too much space for old um, Copperhead. I mean, coming back to the deceptive nature, and this is what I wanted to get at: is like how accurately does the box art represent the toy? And and in the water moccasins case, it doesn't because. Both Cobra Commander and the Cobra Trooper are on the sides of the vehicle, which you can do. But to pose them like that kind of correctly is very tricky to do. It doesn't work that well, in my experience, especially with the Tiger Shark. And it does look a bit off. It does look like, uh, I mean, they are trying to say, hey, you can put as many figures as you want on this thing. But if you look at the Snowcat, the Snowcat has got foot pegs um, that are visible to, to, the, to the viewer when they see the actual vehicle. But there's nobody occupying those foot pegs. So... You know, because they would obscure the the vehicle's uh, profile and and mess up, you know, some of the details, and maybe kids won't be able to see that it's got a launcher and see that you can actually put two guys in the back as well. It's kind of like the water moccasin is almost trying to sell the fact that you can put four four guys on it and that it can shoot forward at really hardcore. The one thing that you don't see from the water moccasin in the card art, uh, which maybe is a nice surprise when you actually open the toy, is the, the the little bomb that it's got underneath it, which is not displayed on the packaging at all. This is just something that counts against the toy being sold. Uh, the canopy being too big does put me off. Let's put it this way, folks. I wouldn't buy the water moccasin. If I had these two together, I would go snowcat over the water moccasin. Even though I like a lot of what's happening here on the water moccasin, I like the water detail, the red and blue graphic detail for the water is really, really sexy. Actually, it's really well put together. And, you know, all guns blazing. I think I might knock one or two G.I. Joe vehicles on on having all guns going. 
But this one's not going to be one of them because it's a kind of a staple within all of the, the Joe box art. Um, also, Cobra Commander is not shooting. He's on the side of the craft. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's also a bit of an oddball choice. But then again, you know, here's a here's a, a boat that you can buy to get all the toys on, even though I don't know if you listeners are aware of this, but Cobra Commander is also on the back of the Hiss. So, you know, it's one of those situations. Coming to the Snowcat, I love the Snowcat structure. Everything about the Snowcat is put together correctly. I have tried to draw a Snowcat on many occasions. It is not an easy vehicle to draw. It is very deceiving. Um, you think it's one thing, but it's actually quite thin in the middle, and it's got a wide front and a wide back, and the dimensions of it are quite tricky to handle. That launcher is quite tricky to handle. The ski pedos, all of that stuff is really difficult stuff to do. I think the Snowcat is the more difficult artwork here. It's also white on white, which once again, kudos to the to the artist for making that pop out. He really good value control. I look at it as well, and I think of all the cool stuff I can do with it as a kid. The kid in me is looking at this box going, I really want that because I can put two Joes on the back, and it looks like I can put two on the side here. And it's got missile, it's got like a missile pod, and I can put two Joes in the front. And I wonder what else this thing does. And the water moccasin in my brain is just going to always read as a boat. Um, the other thing that about Snowcat that's kind of interesting as well is it's also not shooting at ski pedos. Its ski pedos are, are on. So... Not every single G.I. Joe vehicle is shooting every weapon it has. Um, also, artistically, lighting is handled exceptionally well in the Snowcat. Uh, the characters' proportions are handled well. The um, Snake Eyes and Frostbite look quite um, cramped in the in the canopy, which there would be. Um, I think Frostbite's on, uh, face uh, artwork particularly is a triumph. Uh, he this, looks like, it's like, damn, this thing's hard to drive. That <laughs> makes for a very good file card uh, insert. Yeah. Whereas I wouldn't say, you know, I mean, if this is even a consideration, uh, with the, the water moccasin, copperheads, file card insert, not as successful. Now, here's the thing uh, for you guys to consider that is kind of interesting. Uh, one thing where the water moccasin wins a little bit, and I need to actually check this up just now as we go through later in the show, but at least with the water moccasin, every character on the water moccasin is an original pose. Destro is very much in that turret. Cobra Commander and the Cobra Trooper are on either side of the vehicle and they're kneeling and Copperhead's driving, you know, is, is driving this thing, okay? On the Snowcat, we got Snake Eyes and Frostbite who definitely look like they belong in the cockpit, but I wonder if this um, Snowjob and the Alpine that are in the back there are actually not the original card art artworks that have been slightly manipulated to to fit on the back of that vehicle. Uh, and I and I say this because Alpine's the one that stands out for me. I look at Alpine and I'm like, what is he holding? Uh, why is he, you know, he's holding his pick there in the air and he's holding it to the back of the vehicle. Isn't that similar to his card art? No. Isn't it? Okay, well, that's cool. No, I'm just saying, because there's something about it that almost looks like they pasted on. But mm, I, I can't agree with you there. But uh, I'm dying to know what you think about that, Kuja. Which, which vehicle should I start out with? Um, I'll go with the Snowcat. Plenty to say. The couple, a couple things that I consider. First of all, it was it was cool for Rob to point out that they're both moving left to right. As Paul knows, well knows, you know, anything facing right, it, you get a certain feeling about it. If it's facing the opposite direction, you get a different sense. Like the character might be lost if if they're looking from uh, right to left. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for references of that, just watch uh, Kubrick's 2001. But coming back to the artwork itself, uh, the logos, I let play a little bit in my decision making. The Snowcat logo is pretty tight. I kind of like it. Uh, Snake Eyes riding shotgun. Uh, I'm not feeling it just because you don't get a whole lot from that that character. Frostbite kind of looks like Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. So that works for me. <laughs> But he's kind of gripping the wheel. I, I don't know if I feel good about riding with that guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like sit back, man. He's There's some nice to shadow. Control a half track in like some pretty deep powder. Granted, but Rob it, will be pleased to note that uh, the vehicle is not heading in reverse, and there are that's no, good. It's not following anything in a convoy because there are no tracks ahead of it. Yeah. There's Con- some nice <laughs> shadow work in that uh, oh, that yeah. cockpit, as it were. Um, from the missile um, flare, basically. Yeah, touche. It's the, the missile that's throwing that shadow. The vehicle itself does not blow my hair around. I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a snow guy, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, the water moxin kind of looks like it's clipped out of Hotline Miami. I mean, there's a lot of flashy colors going on. Uh, Paul referenced the water being a red and blue. That's just beautiful work right there. Yeah. The color scheme here, it works. I mean, I, I I would almost put this as one of my favorites. So I think you know which way I'm leaning. Uh, right. One thing that I will knock is that they have basically the entire brain trust of Cobra <laughs> on one vehicle. Yeah. So if if they get taken out, uh, game over, man. Baroness wins. Her and Major Blood will have a high five. Yeah. One of the things that I took into consideration when looking at the box art was uh, the nice windmilling effect on that fan behind them. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's not easy to do. I'm cool with the cockpit. This uh, copperhead is actually one of my favorites. Uh, the colors here. I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. The colors work for me. The greens, the blues. You know, framing the uh, silver head of Destro. There's a lot of characters on this boat, but uh, I'm gonna roll with the uh, water moccasin. It's it's just a beautiful box art. Yeah. Wow. Water moccasin goes through. Chalk one up. Snowcat is left. Burning in a snowdrift. Cobra, one up. Before we walk away, you also get a great shot of uh, Cobra Commander. Mm. That's it's very introspective. He's like, why am I on this boat? (laughs) 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 It's very apocalypse now. (laughs) Something I want to mention, and I mean, obviously we we live in a digital age. Uh, We've just um, gone through the internet explosion that was white and gold and black and blue. So it is... You know, what I'm going to say now is going to be tricky um, to validate because we all have different color profiles on our monitors and we all perceive colors differently. And I don't actually have this box art live in front of me. But the one thing I I can say by looking at the moccasin from my screen is that the original moccasin is more turquoise. Is it not, Steve? Gosh, I don't own one, but yeah, man, I think you're man, right. this podcast makes me want to buy things. <laughs> Well, the box art makes it look very green on my screen. So I can't say, that's why I didn't factor it into my decision earlier. But I wonder if on the original box art, if it is more green than the actual vehicle and how many kids open it and were like, oh, it's turquoise. But whatever. Just something I wanted to throw out there because, you know, why not? It's me. <laughs> so Cujo is moccasin. Yeah, Rob is moccasin. Definitely. Is yeah. Rob moccasin? 
Rob is Moccasin. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely Moccasin. Um, <laughs> you guys, I'm Snowcat. Because <coughs> I, I right. like the ocean more. <laughs> if you have the Moccasin roll up next to the killer whale, you got like a boarding issue. You can have players hop onto the Moccasin and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, I like it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And it lives to fight another day. Because Arr. right now, it's time for the Cobra Ferret. Versus oh, the G.I. Joe Rapid Assault Motorcycle, or RAM. I'm going to preface this by saying I love the Ferret's artwork. <laughs> nice. You know, not to sound like, you know, <laughs> like this is rigged or anything. I didn't even submit the Ferret uh, as one of my top ten, so I just want to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, dude. Noted. Nor did I put out the RAM. Putting that out there, too. <laughs> you don't like to ram? Come on, dude. I love to ram, and I love Ramming. to ferret. Opening <laughs> remarks. Uh, just want to get a few technicalities out of the way for these artworks. Okay, because that's, that's what hits me between the eyes. I'm not an art guy. I'm a practical guy. The ferret, we all see what's going on there. They flipped the image because, obviously, they wanted, as you say, to be going... Left to right. Well, I wouldn't say they flipped the image because then the writing would be would be reversed. But what I'm trying to get at is the cannon is on the wrong side of the vehicle. I guess they yeah. just wanted to make sure they they showed off that gigantic recoilless. With the ram, my technical quibbles are that um, a Gatling gun doesn't operate like that. It does not fire out of all barrels simultaneously. And Dude, it's some, a picture. Yes, they took yes. a quick photo of the thing. So when they took the picture, it made, you know it looks like it's firing out of all barrels. Hmm. Then explain to me this: uh, you've got a speed blur, or as you arty fellows say, windmilling effect on the wheel, but not on the Gatling gun. Is this perhaps not a Gatling gun at all? Does the barrel not spin? Maybe it's something else. Maybe it just does. You know, it's a, well, it's a six, it, it a six barrel machine gun. No, because the packaging itself states with Vulcan 20mm Gatling cannon. So. Oh, snap. Well, in that case, just an oh. odd error, but something, nice that, insight. something that struck me. You know, coming back to this artwork's all meant to invoke a purchase, you know, um, this is not to appeal to mom and dad. This is to appeal to the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old that's going to buy this bad boy. 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... You know, we, we're already invested. I mean, you're selling a toy, you're, selling, you're still selling a product. So if you try to do the windmilling effect on the uh, on the Gatling gun, <clears throat> you're not going to sell that it's a Gatling gun properly to somebody who's never seen a Gatling gun before. So when a kid looks at this and he goes, wow, that, that gun's got like four barrels or three barrels. That's amazing. You know, uh, it's better than if it's swishing because then they, they might get confused at what they're looking at. Ditto with it having five streaks bullet streaks coming yes. out of the barrels yeah exactly they it, it's trying to sell that it's actually got this really badass gun on it and that's actually what's more important than the realism on it as well um, that's something that i see a lot particularly in back issues of the gi joe comic book yeah like if rock and roll was letting rip with his twin miniguns this is the 89 version of rock and roll often you'd have like five or so streaks coming off the barrels I just think to myself, surely the artist knows better than that. There must be some other factor at play here. It's the design over the artwork. So it's it's when you're trying to make the design work more than 
than realism. You know, when instead of trying to be so literal, and, because that's what you have to be careful with. You know, when you when you do art like this, and I mean, as somebody who has done art like this, you you have to decide where you're being realistic so that certain things are appeased and where you are actually selling the product, like where it's actually coming through that, okay, well, this is actually advertising. It's it's weird. It's it's a it's a difficult mix, which I actually feel these two artworks do very very well, um, because so, uh, this is going to be a hell of a matchup, actually. Well, what are you tending towards, buddy? I'm gonna say the ram. I originally oh. went into this thinking ferret, just on my my sort of gut immediate instinct, but the ram is damn sexy. It's it's a very cool box art. I mean, if I looked at this as a kid, I wouldn't think of it as just a motorbike. I'd be thinking of it as like, this is the motorbike. I mean, this thing's got like a huge-ass machine gun. I love the dynamic angle. I think it's something that really helps the ram. I think uh, like when you, when you see a ram on eBay for sale, you know, the guys are often taking a photo of it from high up, and it doesn't always look as impressive. But now you've got this thing like you you like some soldier or whatever that's been shot and you're like lying on the ground and here comes the ram, you know, over you to go and like take out the guys who shot you. It's quite heroic. It's it's very cool. I also really love the paint application. Uh, this is something that obviously we're going to face as we go through the box art. I don't think it's always the same artist um, that's doing this stuff, but there is a very strong brief. So they do follow some of the same cues. But this guy has got a lot of the form and everything down. I mean, the reflected lights on the bottom of the of the ram itself. The ram is actually well structured. It doesn't seem too warped or too out of it. Steve, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, who's writing? Is it Steeler or is it um, Breaker, it? buddy? Breaker. There That's we go. It's Breaker. Breaker. Sorry, dude. No, dude. Um, he looks great. It's all good. They uh, all look the same, right? <laughs> all the green shirts do. But um, he wasn't blowing any bubble gum as he rode his ram. I just love how determined he looks. He looks like he's really in there, and it's it's a really kind of it's very 80s. This shot is so 80s, and it's so 80s in the right way. The explosion is handled very differently to the others. It's not as bright. You can see little bits of the tread, you know, of the ground like sp spilling up. This is this is a great artwork. Uh, light is handled well. Dimensions are handled well. Textures are handled well on the bike. Textures on the background. There's enough implied detail here. It, this is an artwork. Okay, this is a very sexy bike. The ferret also benefits from a lot of the same things. And and one thing that the ferret does do very well is it shows that it's a very big bike. <laughs> Anybody who owns a ferret, which I'm sure is like 80% of our listeners, this is a big quad. This is not meant to be like a little quad bike. At least the artwork tells you that as well. It's not like they're trying to deceive you know viewers with that. It's a big bike. You got um, Firefly and Storm Shadow here on a romantic ride out. <laughs> <laughs> God knows for what. someone to, to, to take a swipe at that I don't know what Firefly is doing if he's like holding on to Storm Shadow or putting a love note in his back or whispering I love you Storm Shadow <laughs> I killed the heart master <laughs> and Storm Shadow's like what did you say <laughs> oh nothing nothing this is really this is a really cool bike <laughs> um <laughs> Now, this is where the ram can take advantage of realism, where the ferret can't. The ferret is trying to show off that it's got this detail on the wheels, um, because that texture on the wheels is something that kids would look at, and it's weird, but it's kind of a tactile thing. You look at those that tread, and you think, oh, there's something cool about this tread um, that resonates with you, so you can't make the wheels spin here to, to hide that tread, whereas on the motorbike, you can, because a motorbike wheel is very common on the ram. So it's easy to, easier to associate with, but this is something new. 
so the the wheels on the ferret are actually a selling point, which they are, um, because they are very cool and they're rubberized. The missiles are unusual. And then, like Steve mentioned earlier, this big cannon is, is put into the forefront because it's meant to be one of the big selling points. Hmm, did you check the exhaust pipe? It's only hit me now that it's it's way out of whack. You shouldn't be able to see it, but it's sticking out there. Oh, yes, at the back there, the one that says, it probably says caution extreme heat or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. It should not be visible from that angle, but it is. They're really going for the jugular on all the detail. They're trying to show absolutely everything. That everything. They can, even when it means changing the configuration of the vehicle itself. Like, it's like they wanted to get all the, the text, all the labeling on the artwork. Yeah. Which is very important. And also the the mechanism that allows the wheels to turn is also um, displayed here. So as far as an artwork goes that shows you what the toy does, this is a fairly good artwork. I mean, it says it's, um, it has all of these barrels it can shoot from. It says it's got missiles. It says it's got funky tires. It says that there's some kind of funky mechanism, which, you know, some kids will look at it and go, oh, wow, it's got this cool mechanism thing. I want to buy it for that, you know, which which is absent from the RAM because the RAM doesn't have any of those visible mechanisms. The, the RAM has the big gun and the fact that it's a motorbike selling it. In terms of the quality of the artworks, I do prefer the RAM. I think there's something about the RAM that is just handled very, very well and that it stands on uh, alone by itself. I can't get past Firefly and Storm Shadow on the same vehicle. It freaks me out. It's not because of sort of entrenched G.I. Joe dogma or anything. It just really does look like Firefly's trying to hide his, ha- his hand up like Storm Shadow's ass. <laughs> I, just, I can't. It, that's what bugs me. It's a technical thing. Like, if they had, like, Firefly maybe with his arm out with a machine gun or something like that, that would look cooler. So I'm going Ram because the shotgun, Firefly riding shotgun, although a cool idea... It's not executed well, and it keeps distracting me from everything else on the artwork. And whereas the RAM is just vintage sexy. Like, I'd buy that as an artwork. Mm. Incidentally, it was the artwork that was used for the mobile strike force, I guess. The the membership um, subscription service that ran in 82 and 83, I think. And it was advertised in the backs of comic books. And that's the first time I encountered that artwork. So it was oh, used, right. utilized as a sort of a standalone promoting G.I. Joe kind of standard artwork. I was like, wow, this looks very cool. I've never seen this vehicle before or this guy. So it must be like uh, just a, a random commissioned artwork. I didn't know that yeah. Breaker or the Ram existed, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's very cool. And like you said, it's very G.I. Joe as well. That's something I want to say there as well. It's very G.I. Joe. It sells itself. Quite heavily that way. Kujo, Ram, or Ferret? Um, I, I'll start out with the Ferret. I love the name. It feels right. Uh, if you own the toy, it's unforgettable because of those rubber tires that you referenced. I think it's one of the first vehicles with rubber tires. I, I could be wrong. You also said that the cannon is on the wrong side. I honestly think that the artist was afraid to show where Firefly's hand would be. <laughs> um, so he probably just covered it up. I am distracted by the characters on the vehicle. Uh, Firefly is in his anatomy is all over the place. Uh, he looks constipated mm-hmm. a little bit. Aside from that, there's some nice colors at play. I like how it shows the chassis underneath. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we have a buddy, buddy comedy in the works with uh, Firefly and Storm Shadow. 
Something's <laughs> not right there. They should have put different characters on there. This, I mean, this would have been a perfect place to show Baroness's, you know, flowing mane. Uh, I don't know why they didn't do that. The ram is, I mean, I, I'll, I'll agree with Paul. The the what they would call a high hat shot, that low angle shot, is everything. I mean, the artwork could have been trash with this angle. It, it's amazing. Um, the nice windmill on the tire shows that the thing is flying along. The the kick up from the dirt, I like it. It's taking uh, the off. Five, it's oh, I, I mean, this guy is hauling ass. Let's see. Uh, the Gatling gun, I actually like the five uh, firing lines, uh, whether he's using tracers or it, it, it pushes the artwork forward a little bit. You kind of lose that in the explosion in the background, but it adds, adds some depth. And uh, I like the retro figure. Uh, you said breaker. I dig it. Yeah, I'm definitely with the Ram as well. Yeah, it's, it's just got better design, in my opinion, as well um, than the ferret. That's something I wanted to mention earlier. It's just got a better design sense. Well, dude, the, the toy ferret is awesome. No, of course. There's nothing wrong with the toy. Except it always kind of locks its wheels one way or another. Yeah, it's going to lock its wheels. I would have loved if the ferret toy could somehow click into a, a left or right or center uh, orientation. Like because a mean dog. Rolling that thing, no, 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 like the Desert Fox. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Because... Vehicles that have steerable front wheels are technically nice, but not practically nice. I mean, they're just trying to trying to move them, like ride them along the, the carpets or, I don't know, the dirt track, as you would if you were playing with them. It's all over the place. They always lock one way or another and start to drag. It's, it's nice on paper, but not so much in flesh. Robbie... Do you want to champion the ferrets, or are you also going to go with the ram? Well, the listeners probably don't know this because we didn't really mention, but um, on my top ten, the ram is my number one. <laughs> for all the number reasons, one. for all the reasons that you guys have, have stated, I mean, the, this angle is, I think, one of the only. Well, of all the, I mean, I looked at all the artwork, uh, and if I remember correctly, it's the only one that has this this wonderful angle on on the vehicle. And the design of the vehicle is so it's so detailed and it looks really friggin' awesome. And 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 Stephen giving us the information that this was actually used as a selling point for basically buying Joe vehicles. Well, no, the Mobile Strike Force, which was like you know you you got a GI Joe newsletter and a dog tag with your name printed on it. Well, you see, I mean, the fans at the time were like, this is the image that we feel is most GI Joe about GI Joe. And yeah, I it think resonates with the fan base, yeah. Exactly, and and they all decided this is the image we need to actually. This will inspire people to want to, you know, join our newsletter, join our group. So yeah, so from now on, I mean, whenever the RAM comes up, remember all the stuff you said right now, and uh, and that's that's they'll be coming out of my mouth, metaphorically speaking, um, <laughs> as I champion the RAM for number one top. Box yeah. art. Rams looking dangerous, and it's going through. It's round two. Um, it rams through. <laughs> something that, that I also wanted to mention about the fact that this was used for the Mobile Strike Force um, giveaway advertisement is the fact that there's a level of anonymity to the guy riding the bike. I mean, mm. we know that it's a breaker because we know a thing or two about G.I. Joe. But for anyone seeing the advertisement, like, that could be anyone. That could be a green shirt. I mean, that could be you, the pre- person looking exactly, at it. Exactly, a precursor to the sort of Steel Brigade. I never associated that guy with a named G.I. Joe. I was like, 
that guy is like Mr. G.I. Joe. Just like the the inserts in a Marvel comic book at the top left-hand corner. Like, that was a kind of a, an everyman. So... There's well, I think we can just stop this whole thing right now. The Ram wins. Okay, <laughs> so let's just skip everything else. Oh, but Rob, it's time for our <laughs> first lucky loser draw. Ooh, oh, so Jesus. one of my other ones could come in. Oh, lucky okay. loser, lucky loser. Our Check. next two competitors, as selected from all of the kind of more nuanced selections from everybody that we canvassed. Ooh, gentlemen. It's the Chameleon Swamp Skier with Zartan. Oh, oh yes. Versus <laughs> the SMS. Goodness gracious me, what the hell is the SMS? SMS. It's a, it's a text message that you can send <laughs> someone. So kind of a precursor to WhatsApp. Short, short message services. What our parents used to use to talk to each other without uh, racking up high phone bills. Yes. Definitely. That that's that that's what it is. Does anybody actually know what it is? Oh, the Cobra SMS. Yes. There we go. It is a combo pack, which includes the the his tank. Ooh, interesting. The All right. Beautiful his drive. Oh wait, it's not actually a his drive. It's driven by a the Siggy. Um, CG. CG. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Touche. Hey, what? A, who who picked this one? I'm curious. The SMS comes from Yojo Outlet and Museum Center. The SMS also found its way onto Scott Westerman's list. Wow, what an interesting... Those guys are... Yeah, that's a nice move. That is a good move. <laughs> this one's going to be tough. The Swamp Skier comes to us from Scott Centifonti and Kevin, Forum BX257. So... <laughs> yeah. Scott versus Scott. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> So, Stephen, how did you choose these uh, lucky losers? Did you just draw them out of a hat? I drew them out of a measuring jug, which, incidentally, has both imperial and metric. So, there is oh, no bus in my utensils. Incidentally, Yojo Outlet and Museum Center are the reason why G.I. Joburg do video reviews. Oh, nice. Yeah, they gave me the idea, and I rolled with it. But... At this point, it's very uh, useful, perhaps, to pass on Scott Westerman's point Please. on the SMS and why he ranked it as his fourth favorite G.I. Joe or Cobra artwork. And that's the Cobra SMS is classic his art in new colors and aided by the addition of the missile launcher. It's the colors that really do it for me. That's a quote from Mr. Westerman. Okay. So with that in mind, Kujo, what have you got to say? Uh, I can't dispute Scott's words about the Hissard. I think we all love the tank. I don't know that the uh, addition of the missiles being towed does much for it, uh, especially with the misspelling of the word heat seek, as, as we can all see that. <laughs> but Come on, man. It's the Cobra organization. Trouble bubble? <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely have a flair for the uh, yeah dramatic... Ungrammatic. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that assist. Uh, the people on board do not impress me. I, I believe there's a Crimson Guard behind the wheel. Hard to see. You know, this could be salvaged if the Tell Viper was pointing at us, but we don't get anything from him either because he's just pointing off screen. The colors are okay. I prefer black on my hiss. I'll, I'll jump over to uh, the Chameleon. That's what we're matched up against. Oh, yeah. Now, this one almost feels like a card art for a character, just because of the intimacy. The logo is pretty tight. Black and yellow works for me. 
the water cannon. I, I don't know if that's for after hours. Uh, looks like good times rather than a weapon, per se. But <laughs> you're going to find uh, Zartan's eyes. So it's more about Zartan than the, the vehicle itself, although there's some nice technical points to the vehicle. Mm, the leaf spring suspension, for instance. Yeah, indeed. Dude, you're full of uh, technical uh, words today. I like it. Oh. <laughs> you're welcome. But the uh, sunlight. Uh, somebody kind of pointed that out to me uh, a, a little bit ago. The sunlight coming down on Zartan and the effect it's having on the artwork itself, that's going to sell it for me. It comes down to personality with these two picks. Uh, I like the Joe Museum for throwing the SMS at us. It's definitely worthy of uh, scrutiny. But uh, I'm going to go with Zartan and the Chameleon on this one. Mm. Incidentally, it was Scott Centafonti who chose the Chameleon along with Kevin Form BX257. And what Scott had to say was exactly that. The, the lighting effect is so unique and something that you don't often see, uh, particularly on these sort of vehicle box arts. But it's very prominent on Zartan's card. So, am I chalking up one for the Chameleon? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Red Hiss. I would get myself a Red Hiss tank. I'm also a fan of the Arctic Hiss tank, if anybody's listening. Um, modern era, preferably. <laughs> So, so when I my knee jerk reaction when I look at the Sears exclusive red his tank box, it is oh cool, I really want the his tank, and I think it has a lot to do with the color. It's, it's red and it jumps out. Red is very loud and it's very hey look at me, you know it's very attention grabbing. I agree with the sentiments made by the GI Joe Museum guys and you know with the red and how great it is to see classic his in red. I mean I I totally get that. But I'm going to echo what Kujo just said now. There's a, a severe lack of direction in the artwork itself. Uh, you've got a televiper telling these guys where to go, I think, or to shoot the, the poodle in the distance. Uh, <laughs> every, every, yeah, like I understand there's supposed to be some kind of dramatic tension, but it's not really there. And to be fair, what I think would have made this an even cooler artwork for me is if they had an uh, actual missile system separate and sort of next to the, the his tank with maybe a Cobra Trooper or a Crimson Guard putting in some details into it or, you know, looking like he's operating it or something. You don't think that it's an important selling point to show kids that you can tow the one using the other? Like, whereas these two things would be sold separately, now you've got hopefully a complete play pattern or complete weapon system in one box. I agree. I think it is important. I just think that they had already made that sales pitch when they released the. I think it's known as the MMS for GI Joe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but you didn't get a you didn't get a vehicle. No, you didn't. But uh, oh, you maybe you mean the Sears Vamp and Hell. Yes, uh, but people have already been educated in the use of that that missile launcher. I get that towing the the missiles is great, but I I just would have had more fun with it maybe being separate. Just, it just would have been more interesting than watching the hiss dragging some missiles along. I know why it's vibrating. It just looks like it's seriously vibrating, <laughs> which <laughs> is a bit of a weird uh, situation. Well, dude, it's a red hiss. It's totally been pinned. Yeah, it's he probably good. does have the speakers up pretty loud. And the hydraulics. Oh, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> I, I mean, those, those vibration lines, <laughs> they don't make sense in terms of its forward motion at no. all. It's jumping. It's kind of arresting, yeah, because it's got speed lines behind it, but it's got vibration lines in the front. Anyway, the thing I love about that artwork is just I love the redness of it, and I love the canopy detail, and I especially love the uh, body language that's coming from the televiper. It's just a pity that it doesn't all marry that well together. I, I think if it had been any other viper, or had it even been Cobra Commander, or even Destro, or Zaymot and Termax, 
sort of shouting orders or barking orders from the back there, maybe it would have been more exciting. More so, personality. Yeah. Mm, it would have given it more personality, and that, that's what it lacks. Thanks, Kujo. That's actually perfect. It lacks the personality, or at least in comparison to what's happening with the Swamp Skier, the sea is exclusive, loses out to the personality in the Swamp Skier or the Chameleon Swamp Skier, which is what brings me through to the Swamp Skier now. There are a lot of funny things happening in this artwork. I can't ignore them. Uh, I do understand the stresses and strains that come along with doing this kind of work. But his backpack is on a completely different plane of existence. Uh, it's very possible that maybe they altered that somehow to accommodate the text. Maybe they were scared of having the text go over Zartan himself. But yeah, that really irritates me. And the twisted boot at the back drives me crazy. But that doesn't take away from the awesomeness of the artwork. And between these two artworks, Chameleon's going to get my vote. All right. Well, it's two votes for the Chameleon then. Rob, do you have anything to defend the SMS with? Well, off the bat, I actually prefer the Chameleon as well. <laughs> <laughs> the Chameleon so, takes Yeah, it. The, the Chameleon definitely sweeping takes Sweeping victory. It. Yeah, sweeping victory, it takes it. I just prefer the, the more personal moment that's going on here as opposed to the generic moment of battle on the SMS. So, Well, let me, let me pose a question real quick. Given like the lack of personality we get from the SMS... It, does it suddenly kind of make it plain to you how important it is what characters are represented on the vehicle art? Does that become more of a factor? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to derail you, Rob. No, Sorry, no, Rob. not at all. Many of my choices on my personal top ten of more like smaller moments than sort of all-out battle, and I prefer the comedian. Closing remarks from me on these two artworks. I absolutely love how the artist has seen fit to beef up the cannons on the his tank on the sms uh, box arts gives them a little bit more menace and weight i mean there's a serious volume of fire coming off that mm. tank it makes it a bit more of a threat i have no issues with the character choice because i like the idea of the cobra legions being at the helm of these vehicles to have your inner circle of cobra uh, riding atop each vehicle every single time. Even as a child, I would see through that. It, it's just not practical. So a situation with the, the water moccasin, for instance, that actually counts against it, in my opinion. I'm going to have to disagree with that, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, at the same time, just to match up earlier, you said about the, the ferret that like it's a bizarre thing to have Storm Shadow and Firefly riding together. Well, neither of those guys really seem that cozy, so it doesn't really convey that they would be you know, buddying up on one seat. No, it's just angry sex. Hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Look, I, I like the anonymity, and I do like the fact that Tele Viper is, is getting some love. Both on this box art and, of course, on the Trouble mm. Bubble, Tele Vipers get a chance to shine, and that's points in my book. But if I was to vote, I'd say the same thing. Zartan wins it, and uh, for me, it's as simple as the eyes. Like, I squint when I look at the artwork, and the eyes just explode at me. They are sinister. Yeah, they are, actually. Mm -hmm. They almost look reptilian, but... Yeah. yeah. Those those cat-like, you know, irises. Pupils, are they? Ipods. Master of iPods. disguise. Changes color right before your eyes. <laughs> All right, so Chameleon rolls on, or splashes, onto round two. Next matchup, gentlemen.
is an aerial duel, pitting the dragonfly against the rattler. You know I'm going to say it, but it's just going to get real. <laughs> Dude, please. I, I, I don't feel like we're recording unless you say it. <laughs> I'm going to start with the Rattler. I'm going to start by saying there's a lot about this artwork that doesn't impress me. I know that when I've looked at it in the past, I've I've always sort of, I don't know how to put it to you, but I've always sort of brushed it off as, okay, oh, it's just a Rattler and that that's really cool. But having it in front of me and, and scrutinizing it as I am, now, I see a lot of the faults. Uh, I'm going to start with one of the things that really does irritate me. I hate its cute little button cartoon nose on the nose cone. Uh, you can see that that it's kind of or that they've made allowances in the artwork for the little softer nose cone. You know that you can't stab your little brother with or whatever on the airplane. <laughs> but it's just it's it's really out there and it's it's really irritating. It reminds me of that Pixar movie, the the planes movie. I just can't unsee these damn noses on this plane now. Uh, that's some, but that that, it, that is something. <laughs> it looks like a dog. I mean, I love dogs. Don't get me wrong, but imagine it had a mouth and teeth and, and um, eyes. That then it would be a full-on face. Tiger rat. Yeah, the Tiger Art artwork is also an offender. The next thing that really grabs me is, you know, on, on the Rattler, you got such exquisite detail um, for the replacement panel, you know, for that battle-damaged um, panel on the Rattler itself. It's it's a really sexy piece, and it's not recreated well here in the artwork at all. Here in the artwork, it looks like some, I don't know, it's like a half a dinosaur decal that was cut off, or like lightning, or I don't know, it's just it's just... It's not right. The rattler's made out of porcelain, don't you know? Yeah, I mean, also... smashed a piece. It has no redundancy, clearly. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's just it looks ugly, and it's an eyesore, and I I keep getting pulled to it, because I see the nose, and I see that. And then I get to to the third weird section of this artwork, which is Old Wild Weasel. And he's looking a little bit too big for this plane. I say that because, compared to his tail gunner... or should I say mid-gunner, that Cobra Trooper there in the back, either he's looking too small or Wild Weasel's looking too big. To my eye, the Cobra Trooper looks to be more in scale with the plane than Wild Weasel does. And that kind of gives me the impression that somewhere along the line, it wasn't originally Wild Weasel that was in that cockpit. And he he was very possibly painted over or it was very possibly sort of retconned um, at the last moment or something changed. But... These are things that maybe I wouldn't have noticed as a kid. I don't want to take away anything from the toy, but this artwork just has too many things that it just does wrong, especially when the underside of the plane in the background looks better than the foreground. Bringing us to the dragonfly, there's a lot of awesome stuff happening with the dragonfly. You can tell I like the dragonfly. I know, it's very obvious. I'm sorry. But there's a lot of really cool stuff happening here on this artwork. I I love the color scheme used, the very Vietnam kind of green look it's also got a very vintage feel yes these are vintage toys but the artwork itself has this vintage feel it feels like a like an old school helicopter but with you know new school trimmings it's also got the airplane nose thing that bugs me on the rattler but on the dragonfly it doesn't bug me that much um it seems to be more uh, homogenous dare i say because it sort of just sits in there and it and it works better it also makes the dragonfly... It seems to be sharp. Yeah, yes, quite, yeah. Quite a bit sharper than the toy. Mm. Yeah, because that's something that I will critique the box art for, 
but at the same time, I'm I'm glad that they didn't do this. But the box art Dragonfly has one or two trimmings that I prefer over the actual toy itself. Other than that, this whole artwork is seriously disco. I mean, you got guns firing in all directions. You got pilot and co-pilot looking out in two different directions as well. Wild Bull, I think he's more surprised at the fact that the gun's shooting that high. I'm not sure if it's meant to. <laughs> no, that's not a feature of the toy at all. Yeah, so he's like, oh, that's broken. <laughs> in addition to the guns going every which way, the rotor blades, is anyone clear on which direction they're rotating? Yeah, like it also seems like the helicopter is, and I don't have a technical term for this, but it's going backwards. <laughs> it's like the action in the cockpit seems to imply that it might be going forwards. <laughs> but yeah, it's got a lot of cool little niches, great artistic quality, great use of values on this artwork. Uh, there's a whole bunch of one, and that's why this is my pick. Um, it's just got so much going for it. And one of my favorite details, and I'm pretty sure you guys also want to have a chance to mention this, but there's a specific decal on this vehicle that is very sexy, and unfortunately it's been covered by the crazy, I don't know, mental machine gun flare, because you can't see the really cool Dragonfly logo on the side of the vehicle itself. And... That is dead sexy. That is way cooler than Battle Damage sticker on, on the Rattler box. But yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm done. Dropping the mic. Love me some Dragonfly. <laughs> well said. Kujo, you want to be piggy in the middle this time? Um, well, I don't want to be that term, but yeah, I'll go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Uh, I mean, definitely this is probably the most personality that you're going to get from any battle that we have today. I definitely will start with the uh, Dragonfly logo. I couldn't agree more that this cannon, I bet the artist was like, what are you guys doing putting something firing right in front of this thing? Uh, I don't think the Rattler will make it out of this first round, so I will bring this to our attention that, at least file card speaking, you don't really have Joe's pay respect to Cobras too often, and I like the uh, adversarial kind of insight between uh, Wild Bill and uh, Wild Weasel. You just don't get that enough. So... I think that that makes the Rattler more appealing in some cases. And it also it looks like the A-10, which is probably my favorite plane. Yeah, the missiles on the Rattler are maybe the most detailed of any vehicle ever dropped by the uh, G.I. Joe line. Plenty of them. Some have checkers on them. That's kind of nice. <laughs> it's the finish line. If you're looking at it up close, game over. But I would say the battle damage is, uh, yeah... What, why, why didn't they do the way that they did it on the actual plane? That would have been nice. I don't have any problem with the scaling. Uh, Wild Weasel is a little cramped, but I do like the uh, personal touch of him with the tally marks. That's something that goes almost with every military genre. Uh, takedowns, etc. I don't know how many times I've drawn that Cobra insignia with wings on my notebooks oh, when I, I was a kid. It. I love the oh, Cobra Air Force sigil. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's not better than the Dragonfly, though. So, I mean... No, it's not, but it's close to. <laughs> oh, but graphically, the cleanness of it. It's a cobra with, like, bat wings. I love it. It's so sexy. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, oh. it's like a take on the bat symbol, almost. Mm. Respect where it's due, Wild Bill uh, has about as much personality as any pilot in a cockpit that we're going to see today. But just for dramatic reasoning, I'm going to go with the Rattler, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it in Rob's hands. Oh. Wow. Well, all of a sudden, we got ourselves a ball game. Oh, what's going to happen? Let me just throw this your way before we get much further. Please, throw it at me. The turret gunner 
on the Rattler looks a hell of a lot more respectable than the toy itself. I think the artist took a, a very good liberty <laughs> yeah. and beefed those guns up a bit. Instead yeah, of no, pea definitely. Shooters, they look a little bit more potent. Like real guns. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the artist on the Dragonfly <laughs> is complicit with the error that seems to always creep in with the Dragonfly by putting the pilot in the front seat and the gunner in the back. What's up with that? See, they didn't talk to Larry Harmer before doing the art. Yeah, damn right they didn't. <laughs> Bastards. I don't know, man. Any artist who's who's as au fait with drawing military equipment as this guy is, I, I would have expected him to know that. You said it's a it's a common error for people to think that the pilot sits in the front of the helicopter. Uh, maybe that's kind of what they went for. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe that's why they put uh, Wild Bull in the front seat because they didn't want to, you know, confuse kids or whatever. You know, it's it's one of those. You know, exploding cars. Because situation. not only is his pilot lettering beneath the front seat, but they also put his sort of personalized cursive Wild Bill yeah. uh, writing also in the front. And if you then had Airborne sitting there, that would indeed be kind of confusing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the Cobra Rattler, my problem with it is, is basically it's the same pose and type of artwork that they use with most of the jet the Cobra aircraft. You know, sort of, yeah the aircraft well aircraft. not just yeah, yeah. G.I. Joe toy aircraft in general the sort of the main image in the front and then sort of like either an upside down image of the of the jet at the back which I think they also do with the Sky Striker and they also do it with Conquest where, but where there the one in the background is kind of just same angle-ish so it just feels very generic and which is probably why I'm going to go with the Dragonfly which is more unique, you know, you sort of got a closer angle on it. You can see their faces. They're both kind of looking off wherever they're looking in different directions while shooting in every other direction. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this really nice detailing. You can kind of see the dragonfly symbol a little bit, and then you've got their names on there, which kind of makes no sense because it's a codename-based team. Why would they have their actual names on the aircraft? But anyway, that's, just a, that's a tiny quibble. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's 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 always strikes me as odd to have the name of the pilot on the vehicle when the pilot is part of a covert military operation that's designed to stop terrorism slash cobra. It's weird. Um, it is a bit odd. It's 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 very strange. But I mean, otherwise it's just it's a small little quibbly thing. But um, Stephen, didn't you mention to me um, recently that there's something like an Easter egg thing about this this artwork? Ah, yes. Courtesy of 3D Joes. Turns out the designer, Mr. Ron Rudat himself, included his personal telephone number, his landline, on the fuselage as one of the stickers. That's so cool. I must presume that it's the 2261840. Mm. Ah! We should totally phone him. I'm, I'm calling it right now. We'll find out. Oh, did you find his, <laughs> his area code? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, we could work it out, I guess. I mean, nowadays, if they made the Dragonfly today, it would be uh, their Twitter handle or something. That's what, that's what they'd have on the cockpit. Oh, man. We can only hope not. At Wild Bull. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome, actually. He's doing little Instagram photos. Yeah, just totally took out that hiss. Hashtag owned. <laughs> You're t- tagging people. Dude, the, you know the code names in the future are all going to have at symbols in front of them. 
Alright, yeah. no, definitely. Right. <sighs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, my vote goes to the Dragonfly. It just feels more unique than the Rattler. I mean, the Rattler is a good example of the, the, the sort of art that they, they reuse a lot to show aircraft. But I just like the closest shot on the Dragonfly overall, despite its technical inaccuracies with the weird rotors going backwards and forwards. And But otherwise, yeah, I really do like the Dragonfly. Before Wild Weasel uh, hits the eject button, would you say that Wild Weasel is the coolest uh, pilot or vehicle driver sculpt ever to grace the uh, G.I. Joe line? I would have to... I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I'd have to have it in hand first before I, I, I pass on such an important and heavy opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just went with that gut reaction. I think he looks awesome. No, no, listen, uh, Rob, if, if you love Old Wild Weasel, then I'm, I'm not going to stop you, bud. Uh, there are a lot of cool vehicle drivers. I, I have to say Wild Weasel is one of the cooler vehicle drivers, but being a fan of the Sunbow cartoon, I kind of wish they had done Mara. I think her name is Mara. Uh, she was a Night Raven pilot. She's a Strata Viper, but she's like the only female Strata Viper that I know of uh, that's actually in, in any form of real continuity that I know of, once again, listeners. So please, if you find others, let me know. I would have personally loved that. That that would probably be my, my go-to vehicle driver is a, nice. a female Strata Viper. But uh, yeah, I got to say, Old Wild Weasel is a pretty sexy toy. From what, from my experience, you, Steve? <laughs> I've got quite a few GI Joe pilots, my friends, and Cobra <laughs> pilots. Some of them even have cloth scarves. Indeed, indeed. Some of them even go as far as having some soft goods. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably flip flop on this opinion eventually, but I have to say the most fun sculpt, the one with the most personality for me, will always. The slipstream. There oh. I said it. The conquest pilots. The conquest being what I view to be the weakest GI Joe jet. Just has a pilot that. <laughs> I mean, he's not an attractive-looking man, <laughs> and he's got a big-ass Burt Reynolds mustache. It's delicious. The sculpt is top-notch. The detail on it just blows everything else away. And I even take into consideration the fact that Wild Weasel has painted maps on his uh, his, his knee boards. I, I love that crazy. touch. It's a great touch. It, don't get me wrong. That That is huge points right there. But there's something very unintriguing about his helmet. If this is a standalone character, why can we not see his face? No, I don't like the words mystery. that are coming out of your mouth right now. He <laughs> right, doesn't want to be a friend anymore. I know Cobra has a, a huge emphasis on anonymity, but then you've got clowns like Major Blood and you know the Baroness, Tomix and Zaymot running around with no masks on. I think for Cobra's premier pilot, who's naturally got a bit of an ego to go completely masked all the time, I mean, there is some allusion to the fact that he's got some scarring or, or disfigurations, but I think that would have made for a far more intriguing and more characteristic action figure. He doesn't get developed too much in the in the comic or anything. Nope. Sadly not. He gets snubbed very quickly. His premier sort of issue, uh, Shakedown, uh, which was penciled by um, Rod Wiggum, gives you an insight. The storyline gives you an insight into his character, but once again... You don't get to see his face. I mean, by the end of it, Ace is maskless and saluting, and Wild Weasel, yeah, man, 
he he doesn't have to be a mysterious character. He doesn't get enough screen time to allow that mystery to develop and for us to want to the mystery to, to 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 be you know the, the sort of suspense to build. So give him something. Give him some face time. I'd say in terms of figure sculpts, even the Strato Viper is a preferred action figure to Wild Weasel for yours truly. I guess I just never like characters that are molded in a flashy color like red. It just looks plasticky to me. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's Wild Weasel's uh, signature look. Mm, his aesthetic is plasticky, sadly. So plasticky. Leaving us with our next matchup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the top seed. The Cobra Night Landing versus the Polar Battle Bear. <laughs> now, in this matchup, I tried to keep, once again, the very personal, smaller vehicles with, uh, as you guys call it, the sort of personal moments, uh, and pit them against one another. But I don't know if this is a fair matchup in any case, since the night landing was, yeah, topping a lot of people's lists. Yeah, but we're not going to let that um, influence our decision. I mean, you know, that's G.I. Joburg. We go against the grain sometimes. It's random out here, folks. Uh. Robbie, how about let's hear from you first, mate? Off the bat, I'm probably going to go with the Cobra Night Landing. Because when I look at the Polo Battle Bear, it's just too much. There's like three three guys on them. One of them is shirtless. It's unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's like you know a direct uh, take on what went down in G.I. Joe issue number 11, where Gung Ho indeed... Runs around the snow, shirtless. Uh, and I'm sure they put in a line there where he kind of explains why the cold doesn't bother him, but it, it bothers me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I just, it, it's, it, once again, it's just too much. And it's a, it's an obvious moment. They're, they're shooting at something, probably. I mean, obviously, <laughs> they're shooting, the guns are firing, and they're all getting ready for battle. Well, I think the Cobra Night Landing, to me, is more of a, not ambiguous moment, but it, it leaves more... To suggestion, it suggests more. I think more more play, and it's just amazing that they took something like a little rubber ducky dingy thingy and just make it look interesting. And I think it's it does look really cool. Firefly at he's sort of holding one of the oars, and he's like, ah, what is he looking at? And I like that. I like to wonder what he's looking at. I, I seem to enjoy the water vehicles more because that's just it's just more fun. Because also. We don't really get any snow here in South Africa, or at least anywhere near near to me. So I can get to water a lot easier than I can snow. <laughs> so Cobra Night Landing gets my vote. Ching! One for the Night Landing. Paul? Okay, I really like the Cobra Night Landing as a toy, and I really dig the Polar Battle Bear as a toy. I've had the privilege to play with Steven's Polar Battle Bear, which was a surprisingly cool toy to play with and feels really vintage, but let's not get into that too much. I'm going to start with, start off with the Cobra Knight landing. Uh, I like a lot of the drama that's that's in the actual artwork itself <clears throat> uh, with Firefly looking over his shoulder. Uh, I kind of get the impression, well, at least from the lighting that's on him, I kind of get the impression he has blown something up. Uh, the lighting also seems to be... It seems to be consistent, but then at the same time, it also seems to be that the lighting in the yellow and red explosion in the background is also supposed to be important. Anyway, the story that I get is that he's blown something up and he's fleeing the scene on his Cobra Knight landing vehicle. 
And and that's very cool. That's very characteristic of somebody like Firefly. He's got that cheekiness in his look anyway. So, you know, that comes together in a good way. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a serious stretch of the imagination that he's holding an awe. Uh, that the uh, props are going and that he's holding the gun and actually probably firing the gun. Mm, yeah, no one's no one's really controlling the outboard. Yeah. Yeah, but you see, that's the mystery. Who was controlling the outboard? What just happened to knock the car off? That got sniped. See? Yeah, he who tumbled off the back of the boat, leaving Firefly looking over his shoulder thinking, who the Carl? hell just... Got my number. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you I go, mean, that's, Carl? That's, that's one possibility. I mean, it is rather impractical that Fireflies at the front of the vessel manning the gun, but I mean, the engine is clearly gunning it. <laughs> Pardon the expression. <laughs> and no one is holding on to that thing. Uh, something I, w- I do want to say about this, and it's neither here nor there, but it, it feels worth mentioning. Obviously, everything that comes with the toy is shown on the actual cover art here. So you've got the, the, the shovel, and you've got the knife, and you've got the radio box, and all the other features. Obviously, Firefly doesn't come with this, but very much like how Zartan comes with the chameleon swamp skier that we just recently mentioned, it would have kind of been cool if Firefly was packaged with the Cobra Knight landing. Uh, to me, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think that would have been a great introduction. Firefly, I'd imagine, was already quite a popular character or was quite a cool character. And if he wasn't, having him packaged with this boat would have elevated him to awesome status. In the same breath as saying that, it would have also been cool had this artwork featured two Cobra eels or maybe a Cobra eel, you know, as being sort of an unnamed Cobra trooper or whatever. Um, and that would have also I can smell Cujo having a problem with that. No, I I can understand that, but I mean, for myself personally, I use my night landing quite a lot for um, eels. But I'm just saying it. It would have also been cool, maybe not as cool as Firefly, but cool nonetheless. And and that's something that the modern era has sort of done is given us a night landing craft with an eel. It just it just didn't have quite the same impact with the art or anything. But it's just I just felt it would be worth mentioning. I think it's fair to say I'm going to go Cobra Knight Landing. I'm not going to go into the Battle Bear too much. I am just going to say that I still feel, and Steve and I have had a, a very quick conversation about this at one point, uh, I still feel that the Cobra Battle Bear is too big. Uh, uh, the angle and everything, you know, even though this angle worked for the Ram, I don't feel that it flatters the Battle Bear at all. Even though there's a lot of great stuff happening here technically, Gung Ho can very possibly cut glass with his nipples right now and grand slam slash flash <laughs> grand slam slash flash is there and not really there <laughs> that expression on his face says he's he's not quite on the same vehicle as a snow job and gung-ho even though gung-ho was probably comped on this one too because snow job is like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> i'm you know you know so Flash Slam seems to have clocked the camera. Yeah, he's. You check that out. He he sees us. Yeah, he's making. Yeah, eye that that eye is is almost kind of a uh, piercing. He's like, hey there, Mona boy. Lisa eyes. Yes, you. Go tell your mother you want a cobra battle bear. I mean, a polar battle bear. <laughs> <laughs> Paul 
it's scaled the same as the toy. It's a big snowmobile. Ski-mobile. It's just small. Like, I remember when Steve put the polar battle bear in my hands. I remember thinking that this is a lot smaller than I thought it would be. Well, your modern era figures are a lot bigger than, uh, you know, real G.I. Joes. <laughs> so go but play yeah. with your dollies. Where the hell is Gung-Ho's left leg? That's <laughs> in, what I want to know. In Flash's ass. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my vote goes Cobra Night Landing. They're both tag-teaming uh, Snow Job. Snow Job. That's why he's like, oh, get me off this crazy ride. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right, so I take it that's uh, two votes for <laughs> the Cobra Night Landing. Surprise, surprise. Cujo, bring this one home. Uh, well, I'm just going to do a very cursory couple comments about it. Obviously, the night landing, the flow of the artwork is exactly what you want anytime you put a uh, pencil to paper. I mean, you have like the uh, light blue at the bottom. You have the, the hot red at the top. Uh, I do have some speculative insight about this art, but I'm going to save it for next round since it's uh, hanging around. Hmm. I do agree. Firefly should come with this vehicle. It, it, it is. It's totally him. It would have been a nice place to flex an eel because I love those guys. But uh, back over to the polar battle bear. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this thing's kind of a mess. I, I, I have to shout out the pom-pom guns. Those were always fun when I was a kid. <laughs> Flash is kind of an anomaly back there. Uh, what, what's it called? Oh, he looks like he's photobombing the place. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's hard when, when reasoning like why a character is on art. When you come to question that more than the art itself, you have to wonder the artist's choice why they would put that character there. Seems like somebody could be better suited. But anyway, I think we're putting the polar battle bear to bed, so the night landing for me, definitely. Another Joe one bites the dust. Oh, yeah. So long, polar battle bear. Night landing proceeds to round two. It's time for another lucky loser, gents. Except this time... These are the really eclectic pair, because these guys only received one vote each. You see, we all have our personal favorites that no one else in the world might share, or maybe they're just artworks that no one else considered. But, just to demonstrate that every artwork considered has a chance, we're going to draw these guys out. First, lucky loser, or ultimate lucky loser as I like to call it, is the Watchtower. Really? And this one comes to us from Rob, actually. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you championing this uh, this particular work, Rob. Our uh, second Rob. ultimate lucky loser. The Battle Gear Accessory Pack from 1983. Huh. Hmm. It's a cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's on a card, not a box, but... Let's have at it anyways. Once again, we got one of Scott Centafonti's. See, folks in the G.I. Joe community, fans of G.I. Joe Berg, if you send me free stuff... <laughs> oh, Stephen, bias. Your, your selection will rise to the top of the pile. No, I swear to God. I reached in, and that's what met me. So, Scotty has contributed the Battle Gear accessory pack, the first one from 1983, which is the classic G.I. Joe, like, all guns blazing banner. 
that you'd probably see in G.I. Joe issue number one from Marvel Comics. Totally. Flash is jumping out at you. The Mobat is blasting away. Uh, Steel is getting very dangerous with that machine gun. Mm. Mm, I'd say Flash's arm is about to get blown off. But the Watchtower, which it's coming up against, is one of Rob's, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's my number oh, yeah. two. It's my second most favorite okay. artwork ever for G.I. Joe. Well then, with such a high you recommendation, go, <laughs> you better champion it, buddy. Well, once again, as I say every single time an artwork comes up, and it's one of my favorites, this is a moment. And I like that it also feels like an artwork, and not just something that's selling something, which is why I like many of the, the artworks that I chose. It feels like a pro- you could put this on a wall and it's a painting. It feels like something someone else would have painted, not necessarily to sell <clears throat> something really small. And what really sells it for me is the expressions on their faces, which, I mean, you, you can probably make a joke about, but, um, like, especially Gung-Ho, who has no gun in his hand currently, um, but he's kind of, whatever he's looking at is kind of, like, making him pause, like, shit, are we actually going to get through this? At least that's kind of how I interpret the look on his face. <laughs> oh, Roadblock, you shot a kid! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roadblock, what are you doing? Yeah, Roadblock's like, oh, shit, what did I just do? Well, you know, unless they're sort of in Vietnam and, you know, they're sort of like child soldiers or something, then it's totally okay. Not really. (laughs) Probably on their consciences it's going to wait for quite a while, but that kid was going to kill them. It doesn't matter if he's eight years old, you know, he was carrying a friggin' AK, probably. That's kind of what I like about it. And I just also like the words, like, Watchtower, Battle Station, helps G.I. Joe keep an eye out for the enemy. Yeah, two feet off the ground. Good job, G.I. Joe. Like, could they have not made this thing at least a little bit bigger? Like, but that's a criticism of the toy, not the art. So yeah, I think it's it's a, it's really representative of like a lot of the stuff that I I like about art, maybe in general as well. And then you come to the the Battle Gear accessory pack, which is I'm kind of feeling it's a cheat because it's not actually okay. Maybe it is kind of showing off everything that's on there. But it's a cheat because they didn't give it its own art. This is an artwork taken from the comics. I would almost disqualify this because of that. Then I would be disqualifying a really beautiful piece of artwork, you know, that was used to launch the entire craze of G.I. Joe, you know, the comics. The comics, I think it was a big entry point for a lot of people and exploded your imagination. Like, who are these characters that I'm buying? Well, here, find out about them. Buy more advertising. So this is actually difficult because I didn't look at this artwork originally. And I'm thinking maybe if I had, it, it might have been in my top ten. Um, it might have been number shit. one. I mean, it's very difficult to, to overlook. Uh, it's kind of a classic. Oh. Uh, Ironically, it is Scott's number one. I like it. This is very difficult. I mean, I'm hoping at least you know it gives you guys a jumping off point, what I've said. Oh, i got to jump in. I'm mm. dying to jump in Go on this it. one. Okay. <laughs> I can tell. Um, okay, I don't love the Watchtower. I'm going to start off by saying that because when I look at the box art, it makes the Watchtower look short. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, and then as a kid, I'd think, okay, well, maybe the Watchtower is taller. And then when you actually see the toy, it's just as short as the artwork. So the artwork was pretty <laughs> honest in that regard. I don't know what Gung Ho is going to eventually do. I mean, he's going to get up to Roadblock and he's going to do what? You know, like... That's my whole thing. Like, it's very much a one-man kind of show here. I think it would have been... I understand why they put Gung-Ho there to show that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a ladder and that's what you do on a ladder. 
um, <laughs> and and all that, and that's great. But <clears throat> for me, this just the watchtower looks more like somewhere or like something you would put a GI Joe in when he's you know like done something bad, you know, like shot a child <laughs> or something. You know, you'd like put him in this box, you know, as like solitary confinement thing, you know. But um, I love that expression on on Roadblock's face. <laughs> it's like, I shot you, fool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you like Butter how do you like shot. my bullets in your ass? <laughs> not to be construed the wrong way, please. But anyway, um, oh, body massage. <laughs> body massage. I don't I don't like it. I I was, I feel as an artwork, it is strong enough. It is solid, but it's just. Uh, it just doesn't blow me away. I look at the Battle Gear accessory pack and I'm like, holy shit, this is a whole bunch of awesome right there. It's got its technical faults, but I'm going to pick on three things that bug me. And then I'm going to go about the three things that really blow me away, which is what ultimately wins this artwork for me. I'm keeping score, okay? I want to hear six, six things. things. Stalker <laughs> should be bigger and he should be closer to the camera. And same with Scarlet. Scarlet is about to get plowed over by the Mobat. She's supposed to be more in front, but um, uh, damn it, I don't. I'm not even sure who's on the front of this tank right now. This green shirt here with his M16, like it's his dingaling. <laughs> oh, it's Grunt. Grunt's holding his M16 like it's his dick. <laughs> but it was the 80s, man. People wielded machine guns, however they. Yeah, you need and to go back and watch Predator. It, it is kind of. <laughs> It is kind of cool in its own way. It's just that he's too far forward. Like It's like the Mobat should have already plowed over Scarlet by now. That's the one thing. Okay, so Stalker and Scarlet should be bigger. Okay. I kind of decided that Zap in the background with the Mortar Launcher, or if that's meant to be Short Fuse. Short Fuse. Yeah. Short Fuse uh, is just on the wrong plane there. Okay, he's his plane should be different, which makes... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to look up his original artwork there, but... Something's off there. It looks a bit wrong. Rock and roll is carrying the flag. Okay, that's cool. And then also what Steven said, uh, the Mobat's turret is way long. I can't tell w- what plane it's on. So there's your three things. Short, uh, short Fuse is on a different plane. Scarlet and Stalker should be bigger, uh, as should Snake Eyes. And the, the turret on that Mobat, there's a lot of weird, kooky, dimensional things happening there. The three really good things. That artwork of Snake Eyes is gorgeous. Just Snake Eyes by himself there is really cool. Like, I look at that, I'm like, okay, I'm sold on Commando Snake Eyes because he looks great. That's actually, to me, it's better than the actual pack art, even though the pack art is classic and all that. But wow, that just looks great. Same to be said about Scarlet. Scarlet looks really, really fantastic in this shot. I don't know why they couldn't have mirrored this a bit more in the original card art. And this stalker is fantastic as well. I love this stalker. You actually get this like real like emotion from him. It's like, yeah, like it's like G.I. Joe is exploding towards you. Ultimately, I think that little artwork is full of one and it's a very cool choice. I would never have picked it up because I wasn't looking for that when I was looking for my favorite box art. So I'm I'm sorry, Rob, I don't love the watchtower. It's but, okay. But to everybody who submitted the battle gear, nice choice. Right, well, we're tied up. Well, I didn't say I chose on the Watchtower. Oh. I said I need to hear other, what other people have to say. Jeez, we're not tied up. This is interesting. What say you, Kujo? Ponderous. Uh, I'll start with the Battle Gear accessory. Uh, once again, insider pick. 
whoever picked it must be very knowledgeable about G.I. Joe because this one is not very accessible. To me, it feels like propaganda. Uh, there's some flag waving going on. Uh, everybody's like, hey, look at me in my moment. Um, I kind of find it interesting that who is that flash front and center? Yeah. I never viewed him as, as kind of like the point on the spear, but this packaging would have you really lead different. So too many directions, too many people pointing this way and that. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. I go to the watchtower. Uh, you do not see the G.I. Joe crest very often. And so that's kind of something. I was hoping you'd pick that up. But the fact that they use the European spelling, at least on this packaging for honor, uh, I find that curious. Watchtower itself, logistically, uh, once again, you kind of have the Storm Shadow Firefly effect where these guys are going to be tight in there. I mean, how is how is Gung-Ho going to slip in there? Are, are they going to switch roles? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's... Quietly and carefully. I do like the lighting on the watchtower. You can see some nice shadowing on uh, Gung Ho's leg as he climbs the tower. Uh, Both of their expressions and their body language don't sell it. Uh, If you could get Gung Ho to be a little more intense, you know, right right there he is. He's pausing. He's like, oh, God, what did you just shoot? You know, I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) they're they're not happy about whatever Gung Ho just shot. Or, or, I'm sorry, Roadblock, or whoever that is. <laughs> I will go with the Watchtower just because the focus of the picture goes one direction. And and that's usually kind of important to me as an artist is, like Rob referenced, if, if a picture alludes to a story or a moment, then you got me. So I'm going to go Watchtower. Technically, I should go for the Watchtower, but I still really love that Battle Gear. <laughs> we are indeed tied up. Well... Yeah, I think yeah, I'm finally going to go with what I originally thought I wanted to go with, which will will be the Watchtower. Because it just feels like cheating, the Battle Gear accessory pack. It, that is a cover. They've just ripped the cover off a comic and put it on. Or perhaps it might have been the other way around. Like this was an original concept piece, and then they slapped that onto the cover of the comics. I don't know what the you know like the, the history of, of that is, but I'm going to stick with my Watchtower. I will say that the comic cover is uh, yeah. is handled much better like the comic cover is well it, it wasn't a comp job yeah. i mean this is clearly a cut and paste of disparate artwork yeah for the most part definitely definitely i just love that snake eyes i can't shake how often <laughs> that snake eyes is. oh i agree he definitely anchors the bottom of that picture and he's also cut off damn it it's unfortunate <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's never a good thing when your gun barrels are off off the picture. I mean, what's the point? Yeah, yeah you exactly. can't even see the fire coming out of them. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do we know he's shooting? I mean, even Scarlet. I mean, Scarlet's probably like farting. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's some kind of backblast. Oh um, god! But it seems like we're all along the watchtower, except for me. I'm big on the battle gear, so watchtower it is. Surprise. Yeah, it's such a cool song. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steven. You know the music. Uh, that's as far as we go. That all the music you know. <laughs> that's Shit, about as, as much of a... Well, we, we have we one doing more the Bob Dylan round, version right? or the Jimi Hendrix version? Jimi Hendrix. All along the watchtower... I'm hoping this next matchup is pretty tight because they certainly found equal favor from the respondents. Mm. 
and they're both from the same year. It's the Tomahawk and the Night Raven. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and oh shit. <laughs> both were on my list, surprisingly. As they should be. They're great toys, but I'm not so sure the art holds up. You know, with them having been on my list, I had to argue with myself. And you guys, I think you were aware that I took a while uh, to actually decide on some of the finer points on my list. And and this actually made it in at, at, at the last minute. That was the Night Raven that made it in there. Say it, Raven. Paul. Say it. It's gonna get real. Nice. <laughs> 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 oh, I love this toy line. You know, uh, Mishy pointed it out today. I, I found an online store today, and uh, because I I'm building Gundam models and stuff again, and she's like, "Oh God, it's the three Gs." She actually, when I found it, she went, "Yep, you probably got the three Gs open: GI Joe, Ghostbusters, and Gundam." <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, Raru does not have a lot of GI Joe stuff, but it does have a lot to offer for Gundam and Ghostbusters. Incidentally, has everybody got their art ready? Yeah. Okay. Can I start? <laughs> I wouldn't dare deny you at this point. Okay. I'm going to start with the Tomahawk. What is arguably one of the finest vehicles in G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe collecting? Maybe one of the finest G.I. Joe artworks. Let's find out. Okay. The first thing right off the bat with the Tomahawk artwork is something I don't like. It pisses me off every time I see it. Is <laughs> uh, <laughs> how twisted the Tomahawk is. It's so twisted. It's like... It drives me crazy. I don't know why this guy couldn't just draw the Tomahawk properly, you know, without it being twisted. Because it is such a cool vehicle. And aside from the twisting, there's a lot of cool things happening here. Firstly, the, the style of paint used on the Tomahawk is great. I love that guy's detail. I love the brushwork used for the camouflage. Uh, camouflage is quite a tricky thing to paint. The masters of it are the guys that paint all those cool model kit boxes of, you know, yesteryear. But um, right now... We've got a very twisted tomahawk that is painted very, very well. Once again, Roadblock making the cut. And surprisingly, Iceberg. What's Iceberg doing there? And Lifeline. Lifeline's looking for porn on the internet. I don't know what he's doing there in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and of all the people... The computer to put... console that doesn't exist. Exactly. Um, it's one of those little deceptive things on the tomahawk artwork that's a little bit disappointing because... He's working on something that is essentially not there, unless you... Then you got sci-fi with his gun drawn in, in the cockpit. No sci-fi. <laughs> you're not allowed in the cockpit, and you're not allowed your gun in the cockpit. I mean, that's <laughs> terrible, dude. You don't do that. That's dangerous. Lift tickets like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, I, I do love this artwork. It's got a lot of the classic uh, trademarks of what a G.I. Joe box art has. It's got every weapon is firing. You can see what the vehicle does, with the exception of the back of the tomahawk doesn't have that little flap open so you can't really see that they didn't try to show that you can remove the plates anywhere on it although it's kind of like a a, a secret feature on that vehicle because it's not something that is easy to do so they're not really advertising it here the rotors are too small but surprisingly it's an artwork that sold tons of this vehicle this is a this is a vehicle that surpasses the artwork but the artwork is so real like i would actually say this is still better than the rattler even with its faults, like the smaller rotors, which I think I'll use just so that we can see Lifeline properly there in the back. Otherwise, we'd have a hot mess of rotor meshing and all kinds of weird stuff. The thing that fails this artwork, like I've said, 
aside from the twisting, which is like probably the 50th time I've mentioned it now. The thing that fails this artwork is that it's not necessarily toy accurate. The wheels are different. The the wheels on the helicopter are, are wrong. On the actual toy, they, they're better than the wheels shown there. Because I don't know what the hell is going on with those wheels. It's like somebody shot the tire off and that's like the, the inner hub. <laughs> the chin gun um, seems incorrectly placed. Um, it also seems incorrect. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the chin gun on the vintage doesn't look like that. Nope. It's it's a bit more laser-like in a weird way. Um, it tapers. The barrels kind of have a conical structure. Yeah, it's it's wrong. Uh, sci-fi in the cockpit is wrong. That bomb with the selection of missiles on the little wing there, there's that like little, it looks like a torpedo. Is that on the original, on the vintage uh, Tomahawk? Nope. That ring is not present on the uh, the original Tomahawk missile or bomb. So here, so here you got this big lie of an artwork. And take take a look at lift ticket in the insert. That is yeah. not his final head sculpt. Pattern. No, it's totally not. It's the wrong helmet. So Paul, I'm curious now. You just had a whole lot of wrong come out of your mouth. Was this really one of your top ten? It was really one of my top ten because the thing is with all the mistakes. It is actually a finely finished piece. It is a challenging vehicle to paint. I've also tried to draw the Tomahawk on an occasion. But there is something about it that's kind of magical. You do look at it. It does open your mind up to all the possibilities. There's that space where you can see um, Iceberg and Roadblock, and then you can see Sci-Fi and Lift Ticket. There's that space between them. And as a kid, my mind would go in there. It would be like, oh, cool, I can put guys in there too. And then also where Lifeline is, my mind also goes there and then I see the other uh, chairs and I think this is really great this artwork work, works on me on a very childish level I see it selling the toy like I go this is a toy I don't, I'm not sold that this is a real helicopter I'm sold that this is going to be a cool toy that's what made it onto my list it's weird every time I took it off I couldn't think of something that I would want on there more so it just kept coming back and imagine encountering that box in the wild that was one of the things that like blew my mind away. I mean, I don't have to imagine. But... You've got one. <laughs> no, but exactly that. I encountered As it. As I'm in sure the wild. all yeah, Jerry Brook fans know by now. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. The great Tomahawk find of 2011. Fucking jealous, dude. Urgh, irritates me. I love how you find this cool shit. Ah, but now we come to the Night Raven. Hmm. Just want to take a moment. Okay. The Night Raven. The proportions. Are, are really good. They work for it. But it works. I love that the little drone is not on the actual artwork itself because I think it would have killed a lot of the silhouette. The wings, everything works really well. It's actually, it's it just it comes together exceptionally well. Yes, it's a jet flying from the left to the right, but if you compare this to say the Rattler, this destroys the Rattler artistically, at least for me. It's all in black. Uh, black is a damn difficult thing to, to render, um, especially when you when you're trying to show all of the form. This artist really went to town. He he did something that is quite technically impressive for the most part. Um, his lighting is good. He's he's just got a lot of what is in the toy in the artwork, and all he does show up all of the features, but at least not everything shooting this time. You know, you've got one of the little red missile pods there flying in the background, and he's dropped. The, the little missile cradle yeah you can see it there but it's not firing this this artwork is very subtle it's like the only thing that's actually blasting off anywhere is the drone and the drone is actually quite well handled i love that you can see the strata viper 
and his, his little buddy over here, which I still, to this day, cannot make out who that's meant to be. I don't know if it's meant to be a Viper or what, but... I'm going to um, go with Viper. Because I don't have the original box art. But I tell you now, ladies and gentlemen, if I see this in the wild, I will pee my pants. Because I'm pretty sure it's a big box. This is a... Uh, I, and I will, I've seen that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you Singapore. have. Singapore, yeah. And it's so sexy. The lighting and everything is so well handled. I give it, like, kudos. It totally beats... It should actually, on my list, be higher than the Tomahawk. I was just in a hurry. So I didn't want to go and switch things. But this would have switched around with the Tomahawk for me. This beats the Tomahawk. This beats most of the Jets. The only other Jet that, for me, that this would go up against and it would be like a really fair fight is the Condor. Because I think the Condor is also equally well rendered and technically realized, if not even a little bit better. But anyway, Night Raven gets my point. Who's in the drone cockpit? Uh, I don't actually know because I've, I've tried to look, but it's just, it's this dude. <laughs> That's like... He's got a silver head. Maybe it's an AVAC. Are AVACs That's available? If I was to guess, I'd say Storm Shadow. For the simple reason that he's featured in the, the inserts. The photography has a Viper, which you see in the artwork. A Strato Viper, which you see in the artwork. And then it seems like Storm Shadow's riding shotgun. Ah, right. Ah, okay, cool. Oh, then it could be that. that. That would be my guess. But yeah, it's a whole bunch of awesome that this guy managed to put onto the box. And he's put it all on. Just a little bit of the wing is clipped off. And a little bit of the booster fire is clipped off. But otherwise, oh, it's all the awesomeness. It's all there. Okay, that's enough gushing. <laughs> I have been trying to be as objective as possible, but fuck it. Robbie, what do you say, buddy? Huh, yeah, this is also quite a tough one. But as Paul pointed out, I mean, the, the artwork itself of the Tomahawk is a bit problematic. Because like, I look at it and I, and I know it, the shape is not like this. And that bothers me. But I like that they show a nice variety of figures inside there. The Raven isn't a perfect form either. I mean, it's, no. rather, it's rather stunted and short. Mm. Yeah, they kind of have to like squash it to be able to fit it in there. Because it is the longest um, jet. I mean, it's an elegant craft out of the box. They didn't really mess with its proportions. In its yeah, maybe if form. they'd made the picture a bit smaller, then they could have actually have stretched it out a bit. Yeah. Because looking at it, it actually kind of makes it look a lot smaller than what it probably is. But then when you see this box, you're like, you know it's bigger than what the artwork is suggesting, I think. Yeah. When you got the, the Sky Raven, you got that in the box, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, that box is huge. You're like, no way. Is it, it, this isn't properly representative of what's inside here. Incidentally, though, I must mention that I got the European box uh, ah. uh, for the Sky Raven, which didn't have artwork but photography. Mm. It was the actual toy being photographed, and my goodness, those chromed Sky Patrol vehicles photographed Sex. so well. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. There was a true magician at the hands of that camera, because, yeah. I mean, incidentally, <laughs> if I was to tender a top 10 list of box arts, that would be on it. Sky Raven. Mm-hmm. The European Sky Raven box. The one where there's a, it's a photograph and not yes. an actual uh, oh, box it's art. it's just gorgeous. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it to the Tomahawk because it, it, to me it feels like a more iconic image. Fuck you, Robin, no friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Tomahawk just means, I, to me at least personally, it means more to me than the, the Night Raven does when I think of G.I. Joe. And the Tomahawk is more inclusive for more more modes of play. Like, I'd be really a lot more excited to play as a Tomahawk than I would the Night Raven, no matter how cool it looks. 
Mm, I told you, boys, this one would be tight. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the wire, then. Cujo, what say you? I'm going to start with the Night Raven, because that's just a sexy name, and I like saying it. Huge fan of the SR-71, also of the Clint Eastwood movie Firefox, which mm. the person who designed Great. this toy must have been. Let's see. I do not like that little drone shooting off. I think it kind of tears at the momentum of the artwork. Love the design of the plane. I, I can't get over that. And it has a logo, which I could not find on the Tomahawk. So, Oh, the Tomahawk has one. Uh, show me. Uh, where is it? It's behind the. It's underneath the, the prop. Awkward, Steven. Oh, sorry. Damn. But it is. It's there. It's underneath the prop uh, by the one intake. Uh, but that I, I'm looking at the, the 360 spinning view on 3D Joe's. I do not see it, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, it's placed all the way on the back of the fuselage. Let me see. Let me see. Hmm. Is that oh, the okay. real placement of the tomahawk symbol? It's a tomahawk. <laughs> with wings and a, a rotor blade. You're rarely going to hear me speak with this much conviction when it comes to G.I. Joe. The tomahawk is garbage to me. I will Ooh. say that the rotors are twisted, which don't make sense. You got sci-fi in the cockpit, which I'll, I'll agree with Rob. I like the variation of troopers. You don't get to see a whole lot of sci-fi in the uh, G.I. Joe lore, so it's nice to see him. But he's holding a gun, and furthermore, he's got his finger on the trigger. And they, they took time to paint that, so I'm going to take into consideration. So any kind of air turbulence, your cockpit's, uh, you know, 86. Yeah. But uh, there is some nice light diffusion on that cockpit lid. Don't you think? Joe, if you're, you're going to get technical on me, I'm just going to get technical right back and say he's a laser trooper. That is a laser spotter. <laughs> that is exactly That is exactly what you need to line up your Gatling gun. Yeah, uh, but you know surely what? the tomahawk is equipped with that sort of thing. A laser. If the artist comes back at me with that explanation, I'll eat these words. But <laughs> yeah, I the knock on the Raven is that it's an impossible toy to play with because you're gonna fly by any battle scene. I, I don't know. The only way you can play with a night raven is if it's landed. Uh, the tomahawk <laughs> is much more functional. What if I you dig just it? Run really fast. Well, there's that. Who's going to keep up with that plan? Um, really <laughs> I don't know. Rob and I used to run head-to-head, -head, like Sky Striker versus Raven. Yeah, those fights were very quick because I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> On the strength of the personality, I will go with the Night Raven just because I like the logo and long live Firefox. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the Tomahawk is 86th. Cool. Raven proceeds to round two. Tomahawk is more functional to play with, though. Mm, absolutely. I, I think everyone got more mileage out of their Tomahawks than they did their Night Raven. Hey, I, I stand to be corrected. Internet, do your worst. Our final matchup for round one. It's the transportable tactical battle platform versus... <laughs> yeah, I'll say that ten times. Sorry. Fast. Versus the Terradrome. Transportable Tactical Battle Platform comes to us from 1985. The Terradrome is a 1986 puppy. And uh, who, who are the people who voted for these? For the TTBP, Kevin FormBX257 is all for the Transportable Tactical Battle Platform, as is Star Joes. Hey, Star Joes. And Flagpoints. Backing the Terradrome. We have Dave Cabal. 
We have Scott Centafonte once again. Star Joes also are in favor of the Terradrome. In fact, Star Joes rank the transportable tactical battle platform as their number one, and the Terradrome as their number three, separated only by the Headquarters Command Center from 1983, which unfortunately is not up for consideration. Ah. Obviously not popular enough. So... Let's have at it, gents. These are very interesting. Um, and it's a nice matchup because it's kind of like two bases against each other. There is um, method to my madness. <laughs> and I, I like that because both of them feature a lot of characters and suggest a lot of stuff you can do with them. The Terradrome, I really like the art on the Terradrome. It looks almost photorealistic in a way. Just like the, the detailing and then the accuracy, or, or, you know, at least the, the distinctiveness of each of the characters on it. The one problem I really have with the Terradrome is the, the what what situation are they in? Where it's like <laughs> oh, it's man. a Cobra barbecue, dude. I mean, it's just uh, insane. What are they doing? They, I mean, like, okay, you got the guns at the top firing off. Okay, that's cool. We don't know what they're firing at, <laughs> but we should be able to see who the guys on the ramparts at the top are firing at. It's like they're lit- they're shooting Doctor Mindbender <laughs> and the, the you know the bat. It's like who can, who's gonna get the first? Like the detailing is just so good though, and I like that it kind of shows off. This is the Terradrome. This is what you're getting. You know, you're getting a place where you can put all your figures. You can even put um, Dalton in the prison at the back there, kind of nicely lit. So you know he's there. Um, Looks like Sly Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I just like, yeah, that there's so many characters in the picture. Even got Thomas and Zamar trying to, like, run at each other. What I feel, he feels. Ah! <laughs> you got a little ferret in there. It's just showing it off really well. And so does the, the transportable tactical battle platform. You know, you got this sort of, whatever that thing's called, again, the dragon, mini dragon. <laughs> the Skyhawk. <laughs> Skyhawk, yeah, you got one of those. And, uh, and you got rock and roll, um... Doing the pointing because uh, Snake Eyes is busy man. pulling on a winch for no reason at all. He's pulling on a wire. He's okay, good. guys, so uh, what are we doing here? We fighting? Oh, shit. Uh, I'm distracted. It's like a cat. It's like, ow, ow. It's awesome. And then you have the little uh, thing coming in from the from the, the right of the picture. What's it's that called thing called again? Armadillo. Armadillo. Oh, yeah, I did a video about that. Yeah, my YouTube channel. The Panther. Yeah. This is really difficult because they're both presenting interesting situations. But I kind of believe the tactical battle platform a little bit more. So I'm going to go with the, with the TBP. TTBP. Because um, I just like... In general, I seem to prefer the ocean things. I just like the kind of the look of the water in the pictures a lot. So I think, yeah... Transportable tactical battle platform. That's my choice. Uh, I didn't say much, but let's keep it nice and short, guys. Also okay. say Paul. Paul. Sure. <laughs> okay. Terradrome. Wow, this thing's a hot mess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it looks so diminutive, and it really doesn't help a lot with the imagination because uh, it doesn't look like what it looks like to me. Like when I see the actual Terradrome toy and I see this artwork. They are so removed. It's like it's like they were separated at birth in a weird way. Like there's similar features, but for the most part they're really different. 
there's a story here with the terror drums. Apparently, this is a typical day in the office for Cobra, okay? Because you've got Serpento threatening to stab Buzzer over there, okay? <laughs> He's like, if you don't, like, shoot and count all the bolts on the back of that console, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> the the bat is looking for a kitten or something for, like, the evening roast. Mine better find a nickel. He's like, oh, my God. I found a nickel, you know? <laughs> so I'm at Tomax, I'm trying to off Mindbender, because they're, like, they're looking at each other, it's like, we should, yeah, at the back of the head, yeah, totally. Meanwhile, Xandar's like, no, it's my nickel, so he's like, shot off an arrow, and Storm Shadow's unhappy about this, clearly, because he's trying to shoot Xandar with his bow and arrow. <laughs> Ripper and the Televiper, Ripper's like, this is how you use a gun, and the Televiper's like, no, you're fucking ridiculous, this is how you use a gun. <laughs> the Crimson God's like, I'm staying out of this shit, I'm just gonna shoot these guns upwards, and the Viper's like, I'm gonna do what the Crimson God's doing, and the Fire Bat's off on the way to 7-Eleven to go and pick up more beer, because clearly they're not drunk enough. <laughs> I don't know, if I was that AVAC, I'd be like, screw you guys, I'm going home, this party's out of control. <laughs> Uh, Monkey Ranch is doing something. He's molesting that ferret. And uh, clearly, Torch is not happy about this. He's like, what's he doing to my bike? And Dial Tone's getting no action. He's like, I get to look like sliced alone in this box. It's just, it's 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 a mess. It's such a crazy artwork. I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with what... I agree with what Rob said. There's some very cool photoreal stuff going. Not so much in terms of realism, but this guy captured the plastic the texture of the plastic really well. Like, I'm actually, like, especially there in, like, the white sections, it's yeah. it's crazy. But it's a difficult artwork to sell. I don't know. I, I can think of other ways to do it, but at the same time, you're trying to sell that it has all of these features. I think the sheer size of the box is enough uh, to sell this artwork. Um, personally, I'm not going to go for the Terradrome. I am going to go for the Tactical Battle Platform, which also has a remarkably good story. The artwork is way better. Uh, the lines are uh, more solid. The perspective is much better. The dimensions and stuff is handled better. The proportions of the Joes on the tactical battle platform are handled better. The, there is a bit of drama because I see like what happens is, and I don't even know who this is properly, this guy in the yellow and, and green next to Shipwreck. I can't tell who that is. It's airtight. Is it airtight? Oh, it's airtight. It doesn't look airtight. But anyway, um, airtight's seen something in the distance and... Shipwreck's like, Shipwreck's like, hey, that's really awesome. You know, we should get some hookers. Snake Eyes, get on that. And Snake Eyes is like, hookers, okay. And then he goes and grabs the hook on the winch. <laughs> Barbecue is shooting at the same thing the Terradrome guys are shooting at. Um, Bazooka shouldn't be handling the missiles because, look, one's already gone off. Um, Gung-Ho, once again, on a ladder. <laughs> He's like, I love me some ladders. Uh, I think that's Chuckles. It's either Chuckles or Airborne in that Skyhawk. That is cool, though, because you see the Skyhawk. It could be Spirit. Land- it could be Spirit. Yeah, he's bringing the beer. Cause blue, that's- blue shirts. <laughs> definitely Spirits at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rokondo's uh, trying to figure out... Oh, Rokondo's like, yeah, rock and roll. Shit bazooka out for shooting off a missile. Uh, Deep Six has just come back. You know, jokes and stuff aside, though, this does work. You get to see the armadillo. You get to see that the armadillo works with the the tactical battle platform. You get to see that the shark works with the tactical battle platform. You can see how many Joes you can put on this thing. You can actually, it's better from a tactile point of view. You look at this, you can actually see how to play with this thing. Plus, the tactical battle platform really helps the toy in that it makes it look bigger than it actually is. 
whereas the Terodrome makes it look smaller than it actually is. Agreed. Agreed. I own a transportable tactical battle platform. I do not have a Terodrome, and yet these artworks are making me want to just play with my TTB. <laughs> yeah it's not making me want to go out and get a pterodrome which is weird because often in the show um as you've mentioned as you mentioned earlier um you've got a torpedo because you gushed you know you were like the artwork made it made it more awesome for you whereas the ttb p with adjustable legs is uh even more appealing to me as uh and it, it doesn't really have to be because i love that thing the pterodrome is knocked down. I'm kind of like, okay, cool. I don't need a pterodrome right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's just such weirdness in that picture. And are the platforms, the refueling stations, I mean, are they floating? Do they really yeah. sit there or do they not lower to the ground? No, they're lower to the ground. They're, they're supposed to taper downwards, yeah. Instead, they're just kind of like hovering at a 90 degree plane. And then, yeah, I mean, Serpento here just trying to stab poor Buzzer. I don't know. Anyway, I'd love to hear what you guys well, he have He wants to Buzzard to correct his aim. He's like, the target's over <laughs> there. This I command. <laughs> Four bolts to the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I take it that's a vote for the TTBP, Paulie. Yes, it is. Uh, it looks like I'm just kind of like uh, throwing in my words, Ben. Uh, let's go with the TTBPWAL, if you will. Um... <laughs> I will say that uh, I like this art because it features a couple characters that do not get a whole lot of love. One being Rakondo, the other being Deep Six. You just don't see those guys that much. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of tight. Snake Eyes is almost an afterthought, which is odd to me. Everything's going to the right. Uh, well, mostly everything. Like you referenced, airtight spotting something, but I, I, I do like that. Uh, it's got a nice flow to it. A little convoluted, but nothing to hold a candle to what we have with the Terror Dome. Yeah. Which you called it a hot mess, and that's that's the right term right there. I will say one thing that will make you almost flip your vote. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. If you put Cobra Commander at the center of that picture, to the right of Storm Shadow, if he was just in a benevolent pose with his arms out, this would be the Cobra Last Supper. Uh, it would be. Oh, yeah. Totally. And that right there, you'd be like, um, how do you say no to this thing? Um, unfortunately, <laughs> they uh, do a low angle shot, which I think they should have done kind of almost at a top top down angle. Not not directly on top, but the top of the Terra Dome is much more interesting than these little garbage bins or whatever. Um, I agree. Uh, dial tone, unfortunately, why is he in the center there? That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's nice to see the twins, even though oh, they're really... Stosh. Yeah, it, this 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 art is a garbage pit, to be honest. But credit to... I, I don't know what they told the artist to draw. It, it, they're almost afraid to point anywhere near the viewer. Yeah. And that, that's a mistake. So... Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to go with the battle platform. Just to just go over some of the tricks on the Terradrome that they are trying to do. I mean, all of this arrow shooting and crossfire that's happening between um, Ripper and the, and the Televiper and stuff, it's all sort of trying to subconsciously push you down to the middle. And there's also that red block next to Dial Tone. It's all trying to like force your focal point there in a weird way, but it just doesn't. It's the least <laughs> interesting part of the picture. Exactly. It's uh, in fact, I actually think the coolest thing in this whole artwork is actually Doctor Mindbender. I love Agreed. it because 
Yeah, because he's like, I don't know if he's a, I mean, if you look at what's in his hand, I don't know if he's, he's like found a nickel or if he's about to weld one to the floor so that he can like troll <laughs> people with it, you know? I don't know, but he's just the most interesting person there. Yeah, he's you know? about to do some uh, pro bono dental work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel Mindbender doesn't get represented enough either. So it's, it is cool to see him there. Who, who picked that artwork? I want to know that guy. That guy's crazy. <laughs> You'd be surprised. It was quite popular. In fact, think... more popular than the transportable tactical battle platform. The Terradrome comes to us from Starjo's, Kevin Form BX257, Dave Cabal, and Scott Centafonti. So. Those cats are crazy, man. You know? <laughs> but, oh, they've been smoking whatever it is that uh, Cobra Command has been smoking the day they took this uh, group shot. <laughs> nice. I'm glad. I'm glad it got brought into the uh, contest, though. Did you notice that Teddy Viper has managed to acquire Dusty's FAMAS rifle? Yeah, it's got his FAMAS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, is the trigger finger at the front end of the gun? No. It's, it, no. <laughs> it's a bullpup. It's bullpup configuration, so the clip is at the back, but um, that, that, that handle is way far forward. It's way too forward. Yeah. Yeah. In context, I'm pretty sure that when you see the Terradrome box in in person, it is quite a big box. And I'm pretty sure that most of the guys that did vote this in saw this when they were 10 years old or 8 years old. So this box was half their size. So I think that also it's kind of like deer in the headlights. I don't think that the tactical battle platforms uh, box is actually that big. Or had that kind of impact. I mean, let's face yeah. the facts. Like, the characters on the Terradrome box the size of their individual artworks were probably bigger than the artworks on their cards. Yeah. Yeah, probably even bigger than the figures themselves. Exactly. Uh, certainly. I mean, look at the window where the AVAC is advertised. Yeah. That's probably the size of the AVAC re- relative to the box. Yeah. So, yes, the individual characters on the Terradrome box are enormous. You, you get a sense of the teamwork that Cobra has if the Dreadnoughts are side-by-side side with the uh, Troopers. They must get along. Yeah, clearly they're friends. Yeah, they're all trying to kill each other. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter what the color of your uniform is. What matters is the size of your heart. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. And the size of your Cobra insignia. Gentlemen, that brings us to the end of round one. In the contest between the snowcat and the water moccasin, the water moccasin proceeds to round two. Between the ferret and the ram, it's the ram. Between our two lucky losers, the SMS and the chameleon, it was the chameleon that uh, moves forward. And between the dragonfly and the rattler, the dragonfly will be heading to round two. Moving over to the other side of my log... That sounded unnecessary. <laughs> Dirty, but the hour is late. Uh, the night landing came up against the polar battle bear and took it in a clean sweep. Uh, our second lucky loser bout pitted the watchtower against the battle gear accessory pack, and the watchtower will proceed. The Tomahawk and Night Raven saw the Night Raven heading to round two, and between the Terradrome and Transportable Tactical Battle Platform, don't say that ten times fast, 
the tactical battle platform will be heading to round two. Tune in next time for the conclusion of the box battle. Box battle, huh? But yeah, so join us next time for another part of of the 50th episode. Yeah, we're going to make this a really long 50th. (laughs) 10 parts. 50.1234. A lot of boxes. A lot of boxes. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> nice. So many Find boxes, so time. little time. Tune in next time for the finale of the Battle of the Box Arts. There we go.